0: Hello and welcome back to True Crime Guys Podcast, but this is no ordinary episode of True Crime Guys Podcast, this is episode 3 of the Freeloader series. If you don't know what a freeloader is, a freeloader is someone who takes things without paying for them, just uses things at will, you know what I mean? Like if, for instance, if you weren't a freeloader, you could have heard this episode two years ago on patreon.com slash Guys, where we're adding a new premium episode every month. Okay, but if not, that's cool too. Hey, leave a review and uh, check out this old gem from back in the day. So without further ado, this is uh, Gary Ridgway, the Green River Killer, episode three. See ya, later, ya free lotus. This episode of True Crime Guys originally aired July 8th, 2017. You ready to do this? We got the most,
1: the most prolific... Serial killer in American history is our case this week. Just to this
0: was a tough one to tackle. Play it right? down
1: a little bit, you know. It's no big deal. No big deal. Just the guy that killed more people on record and like got convicted of more people mm-hmm. than any in history serial killer ever. in America. Not to say he killed more, not necessarily, because I mean yeah. Randy Kraft potentially was up there. We don't know how many Ted Bundy really killed. Right. A lot of these guys, you just don't know the real number, but convicted for this guy's number one. He is Ichiban. Boom. Boom. Numero uno.
0: The, uh, the big cheese. The, the big, oh, okay. <laughs> the, with that. the great so, Bambino of murder. No, you know what? <laughs> Dahmer would
1: be the big cheese because he was up in Wisconsin. Oh, yeah. He would definitely so this be the guy's big cheese. like the, the great Bambino. I don't yeah.
0: know. The great Bambino of murder. I like that one. Yeah, let's do it. All right.
2: Right here in our neighborhood, this little boy grew up to become one of the most notorious killers, uh, not only in this country, but I think in, in, in this world. And you did things to those women before you strangled them? I had sex with them, that's all. It would be important for us to know, but you chose no, not to share that information with because them. Because there is no nothing to share. I could count to 60 and they're dead. They died didn't... slow because I was choking them. You're a coward. You choked them from behind, you choked young, innocent women.
0: Your statement begins as follows. I killed the 48 women listed in the state's second amended information.
1: I killed so many women, I have a hard time keeping them straight. I picked prostitutes as my victims because I thought I could kill as many of them as I wanted without getting caught.
2: Is that true? Yes. And Mr. Ridgeway, is it your desire to plead guilty to the 48 charges of aggravated murder in the first degree because you believe that you are guilty of each of those offenses? Yes. He's gonna go to hell and that's where he belongs.
1: When the families could get up and speak their mind and some were angry and some forgave him. You've made it difficult. To live up to
2: what I believe, and that is what God says to do, and that's to forgive. And he doesn't say to forgive just uh, certain people, he says to forgive all. So you are forgiven, sir. You are a loser, you are a coward, you are nobody, you are an animal. I'm angry. I will always be angry. I will never have that closure. I will never have my sister back in my life. It broke my family apart for 20 years. I hope you're right in hell. Son of a bitch. Son of a bitch. Son of a, son son of a, son a bitch. Son of
1: a bitch. All right, so our case this week is none other than the Green River Killer, Gary Ridgeway. Most prolific serial killer in history, right? Yep. And he has my dad's name, which bums me out. It's a popular name, dude. Don't get stressed about it. But my dad's a good guy. And as far as I know, he's never strangled any females. Get over it. (laughs) I don't think he strangled one. You don't think so? Not even one. Not
0: even your mom on an experimental night.
1: Yeah, you never know. Uh, I'm sorry. I wouldn't want your (laughs) at the same time I wouldn't (laughs) want (laughs) to (laughs) know. She never mentioned it. There was never any dinner conversation about it, so it's just No, that's weird. No. Never came up once, okay. Right. Now, one thing I have to announce right now is that my head is spinning from studying this case because, as we mentioned, he did kill on record more than any other women in American history. or Not just women, just people. Right.
0: We've had a lot of gay serial killers that have killed a lot of men. Um, There's no easy way to wrap your head around this. It's, not, it's like his personal life, to, his jobs, it, it, the, the women he was truly dating, the murders. It's it's hard to follow. Ooh. And like every, and like I've mentioned
1: before, when you go through different sources, you just see discrepancies. You see yeah. one date yep. on one, and you see another date on the other, right? And you hear this on one, and it's like on one, uh, on so many sources I read, it said that when he went into the uh, the navy, right, he, he was in Vietnam but i just think that the people said that to give them combat experience like it just right it, it seems it's like, like the more telephone like the Philippines, right it's like the telephone game i think a lot of times, uh, some of these websites, like Murderpedia and stuff, they go yeah. they go and they look at one thing and then they like embellish it a little bit. It's like, oh, he's in Vietnam like, where it? he saw combat. Oh, what'd you
0: say? Uh, he dated Chaka Khan? Right. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. No. No. no, I get what you're saying though. No. Right. But it's, it's more like the really, Philippines, right?
1: But really, yeah. I, I truly believe, because I read a book by the detective that, that like chased him for 20 years and he said that he was stationed in the Philippines. How was that book?
0: My experience good. booked by detectives are fucking hard to listen to. It,
1: yeah. I mean, it was a lot of cop talk. It was a lot of de- a lot. detectives he worked with. A lot of
0: straight, emotionless details. It's, it's hard to it's hard for me to get into this. Yeah, those. and they rail off details like you wouldn't believe. And oh, it's right, like, how right. am I supposed to follow this? Mm-hmm. You know, descriptions, what was found at crime scenes, and a lot where of, they were found. Yeah, it's a lot of yeah. information
1: you do, you're trying to decide whether you need it or not for like to telling the story. Right. On in a under podcast. two hours, hopefully.
0: Right. <laughs> exactly.
1: It's like, man, how much of this do I write down? But it gives you also a sense for their frustrations and like all of the lengths that they went to to try and catch this guy. Because a lot of the public at the mm-hmm. time in Washington were upset, saying that the police weren't doing a good enough job. They yeah. were saying that if this, if these uh, victims were victims of police officers, like if they were the daughters of a police officer, that they would, they would have, have the have killer would have found already. But when you hear Dave Riker, the book that I read was "Chasing the Devil: My Twenty Year Quest to oh, Capture yeah, Dave the Green Reichert, River." Okay. Dave Riker was the lead, yeah. the lead detective on it. He ended up becoming sheriff later on, right. Um, but, yeah, he was the first one to find the initial bodies, which we'll get to. Okay. And then he was uh, the lead of the task force that got disbanded multiple occasions. But right. he was always the head guy behind the investigation trying to find the Green River Killer.
0: Okay. Right. And, so you mentioned that book. Uh, right. What was the title of it again? Uh, Just chasing the Devil. Chasing the Devil, My 20-Year Quest to Capture the Green River Killer. Okay. I'll plug mine right quick. Uh, I did uh, Green River Running Red, uh, The Real Story of the Green River Killer by um, and. Ann Rule, Ann Rule, Jesus, right? Famous true Oops, crime like right. author, you all right. know her. Never heard of her, right? All right, so yeah, <clears throat> that was our. That was the two books we read. That's not all
1: we did, obviously, but yeah, I mean, we watched as many documentaries as you can watch on YouTube, and, which is a shit ton, right? Jesus. The Cold Case Files version, and yeah, all, that one's pretty good. good. You listen to podcasts here and there. Actually, I didn't, but I think you listen to, I listened to listen to a couple of them. Yeah, yeah. Did you like so, their takes?
0: Um, I did. I just noticed that everybody struggled with the structure of the story, which made me really nervous. We may as well. We'll see. Yeah, that, that really made me nervous. Um, some people took up to as many as four parts to do this. like right. They would divide up the different sections of his life and things like that. We're doing it in one take. We're going to see how it goes. One take, boom.
1: We'll know, who knows how long it'll be? Could be here for a long time. Uh, you already saying, know if you're listening to this. You can look at the, You can look at max. what it says. All right. Well, let's get into it then. All right, so will Quit wasting time. All right. Gary Leon Ridgway. Was born February 18th, 1949.
0: Shared a birthday with two great men, John John Travolta and Dr. Dre. D-R-E. Man. Again, another undeserving candidate for that birthday pool. Well, he was great at what he did. So was John Travolta and Dr. Dre. Okay. Yeah, he made the Hall of Fame of murdering.
1: Right. Yeah. I mean, at least he's not like some half-assed serial killer that they're in the company of. But could he dance... Or rat. I seriously doubt it. He looked like a goofy ass white dude. There's you are no right. Way he could dance. <laughs> you are right. I'd like to see him dance. It would be pathetic. <laughs> that's all I'm saying. Of all the serial killers, Ridgeway probably the worst. You don't dancer. think he invented
0: his own dance called the Ridgeway? I kind of no. like.
1: That's kind of <laughs> catchy. catchy. Dude, right. are you doing the Ridgeway? I imagine oh, yeah. him on his tippy toes. Fuck yeah!
0: It's all the rage. Yeah, <laughs> on his tippy toes.
1: <laughs> all right, all right. Uh, he also has two brothers, Gregory and Thomas. He was the middle child. Makes a lot of sense. Does it? Yeah, you can picture like. Ridgeway in the middle, just You're not getting any his own attention sitcom. With his squinty eyes. Right. It's creepy. He did have squinty ass eyes, didn't he? he? Did, it's like man. he was trying to see some faraway land. Yeah, all the time. Yeah, or he was trying to poop. It's like my son oh. when he's trying to poop. Oh, get that well. same like squinty. Yeah, that's different though. Right. Yeah. Uh, the family moved to SeaTac, Washington when Gary was 11 years old. This was 1960. SeaTac is just south of Seattle. Um, you'll hear more about SeaTac you know, that's where a lot of the bodies are found. Was right, that area. right. Um, his mother was a clean freak and domineering. She was... His mother
0: is like... His mother's name was Mary, by the way. His mother's name was Mary, and his father's name was Thomas. Um, yeah. She was a clean freak and domineering, which is... It, it's strange because, like, he had such a love-hate relationship with his mother. You know, even at a young age. Because Gary had one of the main things, bedwetting. Right. We got a lot of details about his mother because she, she was just...
1: Strange. An interesting figure in his life growing up, and, and you Strange. have to wonder if it had a lot to do with his development. Right. Um, she loved to garden, which was one of the more normal things about her, but she also dressed in tight clothes, wore excessive makeup. She once smashed a plate over um, Gary's father's head, Right. Thomas, and he was, I guess he was a very meager man. He just
0: kind of like took it and okay. just walked away. Have you ever seen Shameless? Yes. Love that show. I think he's the, he's the guy that, you know, uh, in the first season... Mm-hmm. That Frank has an affair with that, well, not an affair, but he's with that, that oh. woman that can't go outside. And oh the daughter's gosh. crazy? Yeah. Yeah. It, like, and I feel the like daughter, they, her both husband women just walk all over him?
1: It's her husband that left. The one that, like, do you know what happened to him, right? Not yet. Don't oh, tell okay. me. Okay. That's Gary Ridgway's dad. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I really don't approve of what you're doing in If here. you don't watch Shameless, then you're totally lost. And I'm taking
0: right all my clowns. <laughs>
1: <laughs> if you haven't, if you don't watch Shameless, check it out. It's, oh man, it's freaking awesome. Great. If you like our show, you like Shameless for sure. I think so. Um, as you had mentioned, uh, Gary was a bedwetter during his teen years, his early right. teen years, and his mother would make a big deal of it. She would like. Freaking, put on a display for his brothers, and like right.
0: almost ex- try to embarrass him into not wetting the bed anymore.
1: Yeah, and she would also ex- like excessively wash his, his genitals afterwards. Yeah, he actually kind of liked that. I think this is where he first found out that
0: like, hey, this feels kind of good. Kinda yeah, weird. and he
1: started to have like feelings of he had like sexual tension toward his mother. He would yeah. spy on her. He would watch her like sunbathe. Kind of a
0: Norman Bates thing going on.
1: Yeah, yeah, and she didn't help because she would also talk about like measuring men's trousers at the department store that she worked. Yeah. And like kind of getting off on it. Oh, she was out there peacocking. Yeah. Oh, for yeah. For sure. Yeah. For sure. She would also uh, belittle him for his bad grades. Um, She would threaten to send him to school for the mentally retarded if he didn't get better grades.
0: Jeez. <laughs> All right. Which is...
1: I think, I feel I th- like the mother is supposed to be like the nurturing side, you know? And like she's just being just... Well, she's, she's a little
0: bit of tough love She's school hard knocks over here You can say that She's trying to You can say that <laughs> Trying to motivate him Through embarrassment To be better You know how that works out uh-huh. People never become vengeful for that No They no. definitely
1: don't go on To strangle women No Later on There's no way she could <laughs> in one case Right <laughs> uh, He would begin to fantasize About killing his mother But also lusted for her So like you said Very uh, Norman Bates type thing Going well, on Well he killed a lot of people He lusted for So that makes sense It's true it was more lust than kill, however. Hmm. Not kill than lust. Right, right. Well, no, not always, because he would kill and then lust as well. Yeah. So it, so was it was lust, like, kill, lust. Lust,
0: kill, lust, if, if we're, if we're uh, being picky here.
1: Yes. His father drove the city bus and would often complain about prostitutes getting onto his bus. And Yeah, I think this is planting seeds in little Gary's mind here. Most likely. I mean, because he, he did grow on to have a hatred for prostitutes later on and almost yeah. acted as though he was doing the police a favor by getting rid of them. Right, which is and you wonder like where did this hatred come from? It was probably an accumulation of things, but part of it must have been from his father coming home and talking about them and right being angry at them for it it installed this belief that they
0: were a lower, lower life form of some sort. Yeah, Yeah.
1: his father also told a story of working in a mortuary and and witnessing a man having sex with a body, Hmm. planting more seeds in little Gary's head. I'm sure because he brought it up later, which means he must have kept it in his head and. Thought about it? Yeah, he was probably like,
0: "Dad, is it bring your kid to work day yet?"
1: You got to be careful. I be, I feel like with young men, when you're w- like you got a young son, like right. the things you bring up around them, like while they're developing their, while yeah. they're like going through puberty and developing their yeah. sexual tendencies, it's like you start talking about sex with dead bodies. Dahmer. Yeah. Next you know, thing you know, you got a little necrophiliac there. Yeah,
0: is that that what you're saying, Lord? Yeah.
1: You oh. <laughs> went a, to the oh, hog- a child psychiatrist now. <laughs> he, he went to the Hogwarts of necrophilia <laughs> from his father talking about it. Okay. Um, little Dumbledore Ridgeway over there. <laughs> somewhere, so <laughs> somewhere in his early teens, Gary began torturing animals. Uh, he loved to kill birds and also killed the family cat. Pretty creepy story, where he took the family cat and put it into like a metal ice chest. Yeah, and like put it in an area of the, the property where no one could
0: hear it. Damn. And then came back the next day and the cat was dead. Now I know. And that then he, he had sex with it. No, I'm he had some. <laughs> <laughs> I know he had some animal cruelty in his past but I didn't know specifically. I didn't hear about the cat thing. Yeah, That's he put it crazy. in a
1: he put it in a metal chest mm-hmm. where no one could hear it and then came back the next day and it was dead. Yeah, he just wanted to come back and look at it? I guess so, man. He just wanted to kill it. To see what happened. Right, but he didn't have the balls to actually like do any like kill it directly. He put right. it in a chest and walked away. That's pretty cowardly. Gosh. But he was is. a cowardly man as we know. He was. He um was. Another common theme with serial killers early on, he liked to set fires. I wonder what that connection is between arson and future serial killers. Like, is it safe burn, so, bro?
0: Yeah, fire is the ultimate killer, I think. It's the ultimate, like, fuck you to society, maybe? Because fire can pretty much engulf anything. Devastation. Any, anything. If right? it gets hot enough.
1: I just don't see the correlation between killing a human being and setting a fire. But a fire I don't is, get it.
0: I don't know. Maybe a, fi- a fire gives off a powerful feeling. Yeah. Like, because, you know... I mean fire is like I said fire is like fuck fire. you to whatever it comes up against. Yeah. I still don't get it. He Jesus.
1: claims he claims that he may have killed a boy while swimming in a lake in the early 60s. This would have been when he was in his early teenage years. He says he wrapped his legs around him around a boy in a lake and drowned him and then he left the, and then he left the body underneath a dock. Now he doesn't know this was like during interviews after he'd been caught and everything and he wasn't He still didn't seem like he was sure that it happened. He said it may have been a dream that he had had, but at the same time, it could have been real life because that was a lot of his killings in general. He didn't remember, you know, we'll get into it, but like he didn't remember half the names of these girls, their faces. It was just, he was impulsive. Oh, So this very easily, or in his early teens, could have been something that he actually did. And they looked up the early 60s, they looked up the lake and they found that like a teenage boy and like a young child had been killed in this lake, but they didn't, you know, they had no evidence to prove it. At the same time? during the time that he said it happened. Okay. Around that time. So they oh. but they weren't able to really say definitively that it was Gary that did it. Right. They could have just drowned in the lake. Absolutely. Happens a lot. Exactly. Yeah. So th- not only that and then in 1964 when he was 16 years old, he's, This is crazy. Yeah, he lured a young 60-year-old boy who was dressed in a cowboy outfit which I feel like made it even worse. Like it's it just that it much worse. sadder. It's like a scene this from a movie. Like, Cuz that's like I-, I used to wear cowboy boots and a cowboy hat. I could picture yeah, like little 6-year-old me yeah. And then he gets 16-year-old Gary Ridgway walking around. Yee-haw! Lures this boy into the woods and stabbed him. That's, and basically said that he wanted to see what it was like to kill someone. That's it. He stabbed the boy, left yeah. him in the woods, walked away,
0: and basically thought that he had killed the boy. The kid yeah. luckily the kid had survived. And he said later that he did he was not worried at all about the kid dying. He right. was only worried about possibly getting caught. That's what kept him up for yeah. you know, a couple nights. Yep. Then he was back to back to normal. Sounds like Gary Ridgway.
1: Yeah, pretty I, much. he
0: still had. I still don't think he ever had any remorse. No, yeah. no, no. Oh, well, he said in one of the interviews, you know, when one of the detectives later, they're like, "Is there anything missing from you that are in other humans?" And he was like, mm, "Probably that caring thing." Yeah. This exactly his words. That caring thing. <laughs> it's crazy, huh? In high school, girls that he was interested
1: in that wouldn't date him, he would stalk. Oh yeah, obviously. It, man this the developmental shit is just like it's all there for it's him it's not like, like robert, robert hansen yeah a lot of ways yeah he really was i mean but he was still gary was still like it's not like he was a, like hansen he had you know the bad acne and he you know yeah gary was like not a bad looking teenage kid and like there was a girl that yeah. went to high school with him that i saw an interview with i'm sure you watched the same thing on youtube yeah the the girl that was in school with him and she had a crush on him and oh like, yeah, And yeah. it wasn't uncommon for girls to like Gary at the time. He was kind of a quiet kid, you know, right. good-looking kid, whatever. Um, and he was, like, friendly as well. Like, there was a story uh, that the girl told of him picking up some other girl's books and walking her home when oh. she dropped her books and this and that. What a gentleman. But then there was also red flags. Like, at, at a school dance, um, the girl that was talking about going to school with him, her brother got into an altercation with Gary in the bathroom. Yeah. And they, got, they had some words, and the boy turned around, and Gary pissed on his leg. In the bathroom. And it's just like, what, really? what makes you do that? Right. You know, like that's just not like a thing that a normal dude thinks to do. I guess I had some friends that probably – Did he get probably... the
0: shit beat out of him after that? No, I don't think so. That is grounds for
1: getting the shit beat out of you. Right? You piss on my leg at a school yeah. dance. It's going down. Yeah. Fucking <laughs> like, spin I'm,
0: my direction. And it's I'm going down. I'm sock like, you and then rub my piss leg on your right. face. <laughs> rub, my, rub your own piss on your right. face. Right. Yeah. No, there's a younger picture of him. It's like a headshot. You kind of get a gist. I I would imagine this is probably what late seventies here. He's kind of got that hairstyle. Yeah, you know which one I'm talking about. Yeah, he wasn't a bad looking kid oh, in high school cool at all. Right. He's probably in his I don't know mid twenties
1: here. The girl that you know, I'm talking about that did the interviews talking about him in school said that you know, when he smiled he had dimples and like he, he was a quiet kid, nice and and she had nothing but pretty much good things to say about him. Yeah. And a lot of the neighbors had the same thing later on. The neighbors that he had. Well, we find that
0: with like a lot of the serial killers. Oh yeah. If you got a real nice neighbor, keep a
1: close eye on that motherfucker. (laughs) (laughs) If he's a dick talking about the hedges (laughs) and stuff, he's probably not a serial killer.
0: (laughs) He's taking his frustrations out on you verbally. (laughs) Right. Exactly.
1: He's he's angsty like the rest of us. But if he's like, hey, how you doing? Like, look in that
0: dude's basement. Right? <laughs> he's hey, taking all of his frustrations some, out on bodies. Need some help with the weed eating? <laughs> no, that's okay. It's okay, right. Norm. Right? I'm good over here. Yeah, he's got a chloroform cloth behind his <laughs> back. He's
1: helping you weed eat.
0: <laughs> here, you might want to wear one of these face masks I made you. <laughs>
1: right. You know, for your allergies and such. Yeah. Uh, when he was... And so, like, what I was talking about, though, like, he he wasn't, like, completely undesirable in school right, right. he had a girlfriend that he would end up going on to marry shortly outside of high school yeah when he was in 1969 he would end up uh, to tell you shortly basically he was not a great student to say the least that's an understatement he was a bad yeah. student he was not the brightest bulb right I've got I don't some, know why I'm beating I've, around the bush he's fucking dumb like, well
0: I got some uh, evidence that states that he might have been dyslexic and just not never diagnosed you think so yeah he made a statement back when it's like elementary school when he's really they're really starting to learn grammar and string sentences together. Mm-hmm. And he said like he would look at these sentences and the letters just didn't make sense. Like the ter- the train of letters did not make sense okay. like it seemed to to other kids. It's just the words that he used that made right. me think oh, maybe he was dyslexic. Yeah. At least slightly and at certain times. It's it not it's mean, not completely uncommon for a serial killer to be dyslexic. It's happened. No? We've ta- I'm pretty sure we've covered cases where the dude was dyslexic. Probably. Yeah. I just I just I just find it funny that that statement was made and it and it corresponds with his you know early childhood and his reading in mm-hmm. school and stuff but yet no one ever threw this di- possible diagnosis out there
1: well if that was the case then it's
0: unfortunate because
1: he didn't end up graduating high school until he was until he was 20, 20 years old yeah. after being held back i would i would say twice right he would be had to have been held back yeah. um he would end up eventually graduating from thai high school and at 20 years old shortly after that he would marry his high school girlfriend Claudia King this would be his first wife Claudia Craig right Claudia Craig my bad yeah, yeah. Claudia Craig um, and that same year when he was 20 years old he was hired in his, as an hourly employee at the truck maker Kenworth now that's that's probably a good job
0: yeah i mean especially worked at the time for Freightliner when you're 20 a little bit growing up and it was a really great job yeah so
1: i would and he had good success in his careers, though. Well, he would come back to to uh, Kenworth. This was it, he was a kind of a temporary job just out of high school until right. he ended up signing up for the navy in 1969, the same year. So he gets a, a temporary job at Kenworth, and then he enlists in the navy, where he would eventually be stationed in the Philippines. Um, and this began his infatuation with prostitutes. While mm-hmm. in in Philippines, it's actually on navy record that he uh, that he got gonorrhea while there from a prostitute.
0: Yep, that's probably what set him off. Which, you know, he had it
1: ingrained early on. His dad bad mouthing about yep. prostitutes, picking him up on his got bus. Gonorrhea. And now he got gonorrhea from him. And this kind of further. Hey, that's strike two. Solidifies everything. Okay. <laughs> it's strike two. So what's strike three
0: then? Wait and see.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and uh, he returned home from his stint in the Philippines with the Navy to find that his wife, Claudia, had been cheating on him. No. Yeah, well, you know, he's
0: away. You're at home. It happens. That's right. They're called Joey's. Yeah. The guys that move in on military people's significant others while they're away. Fucking Joey's. Fucking Joey's.
1: So while he's gone, he comes back. There's a Joey banging his wife. They get divorced. He's 22 years old when this goes down. Um, Around this time, he's rehired by Kenworth, the trucking company that he'd worked for prior. He would end up staying there for 30 more years. Wow. All the way through all of these killings. That's admirable. It is. He, You know what? Say Why what you want he about retire the guy. There? Did, Did he, he retire there? I mean, 30 years. He must God, have had some kind have. of a pension through Kenworth. Hell yeah. I wonder if he's getting paid out in, while he's in prison. Yeah, let us know, Kenworth. <laughs> right. Did <laughs> do they have some kind of clause that's like, well, if you're strangling women, you're, your whole <laughs> retirement is is flawed? <laughs> right. We can throw this out since he strangled There's a which. small clause in there in fine brain. Right. If you happen to be
0: a serial killer. The limit killer. of
1: women strangled is 42. Uh, you surpassed that. Sorry, sir. Surpassed that by at least a good Your seven. retirement is null and void. Stamp yep. it. <laughs> Done. And when he was uh, 24 years old in 1973, it wouldn't take long. He would remarry a woman named Marcia Lorene Winslow. Um, and in 1975, he has a son with Marcia named Matthew and it wouldn't take long for him to start resenting the boy because he was a very, yeah, it, very...
0: Very high sex drive.
1: Yes. Whatever is going on, I don't know if it was testosterone. We're talking like three times a day. Three times a day. This dude's trying to be fit. His wife's all kind of cooperated that, in that cooperated corroborate, <laughs> <corroborated>, cooperated, <laughs> yeah, cooperated. <laughs> they all said that he he was insatiable as far as yeah. sex goes. He had to have two to three times sex per day, and we know what he was doing you know, beyond that, during certain right. years, that's just from his wife. Right, he's, he's an animal. Yeah, and so he he presented the the son that came into his life because, as we all know, things slow down a bit for a little while when uh, you have a kid. Oh, is that what happens, Lauren? <laughs> yeah, I'm a little, a little, <laughs> tense, <I'm> a little <laughs> tense. I was gonna say.
0: <laughs>
1: all right, move on before we get too <laughs> yeah. personal. Yeah. Um, during this time uh, with his second wife, he becomes religious.
0: Oh, that's a good timing. You could say fanatical. It's good timing. To
1: a sense, it said that he was reading the Bible aloud at work and at home. Mm -hmm. I even read some things that said he was going door to door. I don't see that. Hmm. Could have been, though. You never know. Uh, He was insisting that his wife follow the strict teachings of the church pastor. Yeah, she should. Pastor says we need to have sex three times a day. That's right. Obey Uh, your husband. However, he was continuing to solicit the services of sex workers during his marriage. Um, Well, well, that's kind of contradicting. In a way, yeah, a lot, yeah, <laughs> according to later interviews with Marsha, she said that he would also take her to Green River locations. oh, he loved to have sex outdoors, we know this,
0: yeah, and they would look at the logs passing by in the river and talk about how they look like bodies, yeah, it was cute, it's oh, cute, you know, you picture candlelit dinner
1: along look at the that one. looks like
0: a prostitute,
1: yeah, does it? <laughs> I didn't notice. How right.
0: about <gasps> a spot up here? <laughs> <laughs> Let's
1: go a little further up. This may be a little too personal, right. this location. Uh, him and Marcia would end up splitting up, and Marcia would st- start dating another man. Now, they didn't get divorced officially, but this is around 1980. She's dating another man. Right. Um, around this time, Gary was arrested near SeaTac Airport for attempting to choke a prostitute.
0: Mm, yeah. This is the one that he claimed bit him, right?
1: Yeah, So his and he got off on de- self-defense because he claimed that she had bit him on the penis during oral sex. Right. But
0: that's not what happened. No. I don't think that's what happened.
1: A lot of, like, the the girls that survived, I think there was two of them yeah. that yeah. went on to uh, later talk about it. Right. Um, they said that he would get angry out of nowhere. Like, they would go to have sex. You know, the negotiations would happen. They'd say, this yeah. much money. They would talk about what they're going to do. And then he would get to the location. And would be like, why are you still alive? Right. Yeah. He would get angry out of nowhere why'd you bite me on the dick? She's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> That's it. I'm going to have to choke you. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, and shortly after he gets uh, let off for choking the prostitute, right. Marsha, his wife, files a complaint with the Kent, Par- Kent Police Department where she claimed that Ridgeway was harassing her over the phone about divorce papers and also said that he threatened her boyfriend's life. And not long after that, in May of 1981, um, he would get divorced from Marsha Winslow. Finally, I don't know what took her so long to get those divorce papers. Right. <laughs> um, he later said that he wished he had killed his second wife, Marsha, and that if he had done so, that he may not have killed all of the women that he bullshit. would later kill. I call bullshit, bullshit as well. I don't think that. I think not it would have. If anything, it would have just made him crave killing more. Yeah, no. That's the thing, man. Killing must be, like, there must be something to it. Because it seems like it only takes one. It seems like, I'm just saying, blanket serial killer statement here. Right. It seems like you just got to get your feet wet a little bit. Yeah. And then you start going. Like, they always kill one and they go, like, once I killed that one, man. I just couldn't get enough. That's right. What I'm saying to Michael is all we need to do is just get our, we just got to get our beak wet kill one person. One person. And then then we'll be off and running. Yeah. Right. Okay. It's like doing a podcast. You do one and then you it's all from there on, you know, we've done how many now? Just that's it. Just that's gets it. easier. Each it just episode. keeps getting easier. That's right. We, we
0: become worse at staying on topic. Right. Um <laughs> no. <laughs> but the thing he acts like that his he has like this bar that he has to fill. It's like this bar of hatred towards women. Right. Like in a freaking like video game, that he it's has to go fill down. up. It's like He really did once it gets it full, yeah. he he, he thinks it, that he'll be done killing, I think in his mind. And he thinks like that that this wife Marsha would have filled the bar completely because mm-hmm. he hated her so fucking much. Right. And I don't, that's not the reason. No. That's not the way his killing worked. I don't he really think. did think that uh, life
1: and killing was like video games because it, a lot of his motivation, I truly believe the number one motivation for killing prostitutes was getting his money back. I think he was a cheap Well, he was a frugal son of a bitch. He was. He did yard sales. That was a common thing he liked to do. He learned it from his father. That's true. His father did yard sales often. He loved the yard sale. He was frugal as shit. Drove a very modest pickup. I don't know how much he was making at Kentworth, painting vehicles. You know, at Kentworth. He was balling at Kentworth. At Kentworth, he wasn't just your standard truck painter. He did, like, the stripping, like, with the little pieces of tape. pinstriping. Pinstriping. He did, like, flames and shit. I'm sure he could do some badass flames on your truck. I'm Um, sure. I don't think that's what he did, though. <laughs> no, he did. He did the. Pin... He did the pinstripe. He did well, the straight pinstriping. The factory no. pinstriping. No, he did decorative pinstripes. Really? Yes. Really. I saw an interview with one of his coworkers who was talking about it. And it was the guy was acting like he was impressed. Well, hot damn!
0: Right. Okay. I'm impressed.
1: Yeah. Okay. I forgot where we're going with this.
0: We're talking about how good he oh, is at his job. Video games.
1: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. His main. Thing was getting the money back. He thought it was GTA. Like, you oh. know how you pick up prostitutes, you pull up, you honk, you pick them up. But you
0: never fucking get all your money back from those prostitutes And That's GTA. true. He got all where his money back. Where does it go? He got all of his money back, though. Where does it go, Lauren? That's what I need to know. It's consumed with... I don't know, man. It's not fair. It, I literally just paid you two seconds ago and punched you. <laughs> <laughs> and I do not get all my money back. One punch this kill. This is weird. <laughs> this is... Like, where did you... What did you do with it? Right. Like, did is your, uh, you going direct deposit straight to the pimp? Like, what's going on here? He a- does get his cut. The pimp gets his cut. He gets a virtual cut. So that's cut. where it's going. He gets a virtual cut. But there's a, there's a time jump there. There is. Okay. Let's get back on topic. All right. We'll, well talk about this later. As
1: I said, no, truly, I, to be serious for a second, I really feel like, because we get a little goofier on the patron episodes. I don't we believe so. We drink more. You know, there's some other things I going don't know on. what you're
0: talking about, but go ahead.
1: Um, we do get goofy, but to say seriously, it, I think that was his number one motivation was getting his money back from the prostitutes. He viewed them as lesser human beings yeah. or not even on par with subhumans basically. Yeah. And so killing them wasn't that much of a sin in his eyes and it was worth getting the money back. He for.
0: never gave a, a
1: flat answer of why
0: he killed I don't anybody. Know that he,
1: I honestly don't know, after all the studying I've done this week, many, many, many fucking hours of studying, I don't know that he really got off on killing. I think it was just a more convenient thing for him. I almost think he, he just wanted his cake and he wanted to eat it too, you know okay, he, right
0: he, he wanted to have the sex because he couldn't get enough sex he was right. just but he freaking. also didn't want to compensate someone who he felt wasn't worthy of any of his
1: money exactly he wanted he didn't want to contribute to the lifestyle that he it's kind of sickened him seeing mm-hmm. all these prostitutes down on what they called the strip in downtown Seattle, right. He thought that, like we we mentioned later on, he would say that he thought he was doing the police a favor, cleaning up the city, this and that. He thought they were a stain on his city. Yeah. And so he didn't want to contribute giving them money. He thought he could – it was a win-win. Right. Pay him, have sex with them, get what he wants out of that. Mm-hmm. kill him, get his money back. It's just like in all, he had no conscience as far as a killing thing didn't bother him because he didn't view it. Which them. is strange because like this is his main outlet for
0: his anger and his sex is prostitutes and then you're trying to get rid of them all. Oh, no doubt. He was
1: being a hypocrite for it's sure. It's like owning a realize... funeral
0: home and creating the cure for cancer. Right. You're killing your own self.
1: Yeah. doesn't make any sense. Or it's like the medical system in America where we try to act like we're healing people but then we're giving them terrible advice and giving them heart disease so that they come back. Well, that's another podcast. Yeah.
0: All together yeah, we gotta, just got
1: deep as shit. We're gonna we're gonna give you advice as how to make yourself healthy, but then we want you to come back real soon. Yeah, take all these vaccines. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Here's some l statins for your heart disease. Mm. Yeah, eat low low how fat. Does that That's feel? great. How's no, that feel? No fats. Mm. No red meats. No. Yeah. See you Lots soon. GMOs. See you soon when you have a heart attack. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Let's bring this back into the light. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, so after his divorce, his second divorce from Marsha Winslow. Um, he would end up having custody of his son Matthew every other week, and he would end up using that to his advantage. Oh, yeah, it was, this was he a real used, advantage. he used his son a lot. In you know, we're just now getting to where he starts picking up prostitutes and killing them. We're getting mm-hmm. to 1982. This is like his. We're getting to this like is right, prime time. Prime time's coming, and he's going to pick up little tricks that he starts using to make right. prostitutes, sex workers, feel more comfortable yeah. with him.
0: Like one of the and, main things was carrying a picture of his son in his wallet. Yes. So he was like, you know, it seems so, so much more less threatening.
1: So one one of the
0: way, things he would
1: do often is he would pull up near the strip where the sex workers worked. Mm-hmm. And he would pull over and act as though his truck was either stalled or broken down. Right. And make himself seem more harmless and vulnerable. Which and, is very believable because he had a shitty pickup. Right. Yeah, he did have old <laughs> shitty pickups, like a 75 Dodge. And, like, yeah. and then later had like a... Well, I mean, this was the... That's true. It's not that old. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, that's like, yeah, that car is like uh, six years old, Lauren. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so he would pull over and he would act like, you know, he was busy working on his truck and then yeah. they would walk up to him and then it would be a more of a natural thing that happened. Just, oh, look, okay. I mean, I, yeah, I guess I could use a blowjob.
0: No, um, why not?
1: And they would get in and they would, if they asked him for his ID, he would happen to have his ID with a picture of his, of his, of his, his son. And they're like, this is a picture of your son.
0: Oh, is it? Oh, look out Is you? it, sweetheart? You're Didn't such a sweetie.
1: Yeah, and then when he would take him back to his house, he would make yeah. sure to show him his son's bedroom, oh, things like that. Look there was even this. an instance where he brought his son, son along and went off into the woods with the girl. And then That's when he came right. back, the girl yeah. was no longer there. And his son, son was like, Where's the girl? His dad was like, Oh, she walked home. She from walked here. home. She's definitely not face down in the river. No, definitely
0: not, son. Don't go swimming in there.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so he, the, around this time after his second divorce, um, he's picking up prostitutes more regularly. He's also dating girls from parents without partners classes. So he's dating these girls. He's going out with prostitutes. Yeah. His life is just a lot of new women coming into his life. And then out of his life, whether he kills them or um, just breaks up with them from right. the parents with partners classes. In early 1982, he gets arrested for soliciting sex from an undercover police officer.
0: Oh, <clears throat> which was super popular at this time. This oh, was yeah. like one of their main plans to infiltrate the, you know, the sex business then. They had undercover Johns and undercover prostitutes. Everybody was looking out for him, which is so crazy that they took him so long to find him with all that shit going on. Mm -hmm. And he didn't really change areas that much.
1: No. But it was just such an active time for, you know, these prostitutes, they're, they're dealing with a lot of Johns. He's just another one. Okay. That was his biggest advantage is that he was just another dude but again i feel really like a draw lot draw attention to himself I feel
0: like a lot of prostitutes probably went ignored during this time oh no doubt a lot of them the were police. probably saying hey uh this guy every time he picks up this girl a uh, girl in this truck mm-hmm. she don't come back
1: oh a lot of girls reported girls yeah. getting picked up in yeah, this older
0: pickups yeah
1: but a lot of john's probably had older little pickups
0: Yeah, but a lot of girls weren't never coming back. And also, Michael,
1: the police didn't listen to the prostitutes very much. Fair enough. And they didn't believe them. They didn't take their word for it. And they also, a lot of times, looked at them as subhuman as well. That's true. And stains in the city. Yeah, there was
0: actually... The the city was becoming quite uh, divided at this time. Mm -hmm. Like, half the city was all like... Just fucking find somebody. Like, we don't care. Like, just find somebody. Like, just convict somebody. Make an arrest already. Make us feel safe again. Because they had
1: this, well, we're getting to it, but they would end up, shortly after what we're about to talk about, they would
0: establish a task force and they were using a lot of tax dollars to try and find this guy. Yeah, I was about to say. And then the other side is like, are these prostitutes' lives even worth it? Yeah. Like, who who gives a fuck? Right. Like, move on. Like, worry about normal shit. Like, come help me out with my fender bender. Right. Right? (laughs) Take pictures of this shit. Right when ultimately these are <laughs> human beings that are being
1: killed. Exactly. Yeah. It's. I mean, they got. They went. They went down a path. Maybe. Maybe they wanted to do it. There's. An, I mean, I try not to look down on people's professions. If that's what they wanted to do, that's their own lives. You know, they're still human beings. Yeah. They have the right to do that. They're a human being. They're an adult. Right. That's what you want to do. And it's the oldest profession uh, in the world. You're not hurting anybody. Pretty much as soon as people started realizing they could get paid for a, oh, a sexual God. favors, yeah. they started doing
0: it. Yeah. What do you think the second oldest profession is? Uh, murder for hire, probably. Oh, hmm, hitman. Cool. Yeah. Right. Definitely. And
1: so we're all leading up to Gary's getting his feet wet into this whole thing with prostitution, and he starts killing. And on July fifteenth, nineteen eighty-two, children playing near Kent find a strangled body. Um, it would end up being Wendy Colefield, who's sixteen years old. Um, she mm. was found in the Green River. Now there are multiple Green Rivers. I feel like I have to mention because I did. I did. Google Green River to get some more just facts on it. Yeah, there's a Green River that runs like through Utah and Wyoming and stuff. Right. That's the main Green River. This is a river in Washington, mainly that runs down from like a little cove mm-hmm. off the west coast, and it runs down through the western part of Washington. Okay, it is the Green River. It's a very winding river surrounded by trees. It's it's beautiful. Um, that's where this would come from. He would end okay. up be call, being called the right. Green River after all these bodies got found. Now, shortly after the body of uh, Wendy Cofield, there would be another two bodies found near the river. This is about a month later on August 15th. Right. They were found by a fisherman who was going downstream. Um, He found what he thought was dummies, and when he got out, he actually, like, tipped over his raft trying to get closer. Right, Right, because the bodies were held underwater by rocks. Yes, and he would actually find out that they were not dummies. They were not mannequins. They were real human bodies. There were uh, two African-American girls uh, that were dead, and held down by rocks. Detective Dave Reichert, uh, we've talked about him, and we'll talk more about him. He was assigned as the lead homicide investigator. Uh, He would show up um, and survey the riverbank where the two bodies were found. He and Detective Sue Peters, they would end up discovering another body just off the shore in some brush. Yeah. And this is where they start realizing this is a serious situation. This is where they yeah. start
0: to get a little overwhelmed. Right Again, in his interview, he's like, "Holy shit! We just found we found the two bodies floating." Right. It's like right after we just found another body. Now we're up to four bodies within you know weeks of right. each other. It's like it's crazy.
1: The cause of death would be determined to be strangulation. Uh, there was a ligature found around the neck of the one that was on the shore, um, in the brush. There was fist-sized diamond-shaped rocks inside the vaginal cavity of two of the victims, and semen found inside two of the four of the victims as well. Now, these yeah. victims would end up being uh, later determined to be now, Deborah Lynn Bonner, Marsha Faye Chapman, Opal Ch- uh, Charmaine Mills, which Opal Mills, her mother, has spoken a lot. You watch a lot of documentaries, and she's yeah, yeah. she's one of the people we talked about saying that the investigators didn't do enough, that if it was a police's daughter that they yeah, would have found him by now. Right. And you understand her frustration mm-hmm. as a mother whose daughter was killed.
0: Um, and also one of the bodies was Cynthia Jean Hines, Okay, um, real quick, um, you know, you said that there were rocks found in the vaginal cavity. Like that mm-hmm. wasn't, did that become a signature thing? Because some some articles I read that seemed like he did that more often, and then some were like, "Hey, kind of abandoned." That I didn't idea. hear
1: about it a whole lot more
0: after I this yeah, initial okay. thing. That's what I thought. I, I thought that
2: cause some, some
1: people, of them, the bodies were so. I mean, a lot of times they would find these bodies. We'll get into it further right. as we go on, but they would find them and they they were so decomposed. You know, right. he had killed them like
0: years prior. A lot of times, that was the biggest them, setback. Is most of the time by the time they found these bodies, they were just bones. We're in the Pacific Northwest, we're talking they about. They were literally like, naming them bones one, bones two, right? Oh, yeah,
1: and so like sometimes they would find I in the book, um, by Reichert, he yeah. talked about how they found one body and like right where the pelvic bone was, where a vagina would be, there was a diamond shame rock. Like, but they couldn't, mm. they couldn't for, for sure say that it was in the vagina or if it was just below the body when the oh, body was placed right. there, And right. then, You know, so it was. A lot of bodies, they just couldn't, you know, it was too late to even tell whether the, the rock had been placed there or not. Um, now, this is where the hunt for a serial killer begins. They basically said that these, these all were young girls. They were prostitutes, as young as 15, 16 years old. Mm-hmm. They were all found strangled in the same location, Three, you know, four of them right around the same area. Right. Um, these five, groupings. ultimately, when you, when you factor in uh, Cofield. And five these women. These
0: groupings became a regular thing for him. Yeah. He would which, go from location to location. He would use it for a little while and then move on. I think that was mostly just for his memory, just so he could come back and know about, you know, if he had these big groups of women, it was easy for him to remember. Well, not only that, he was a necrophiliac, so he could That's come back and he could... He could come
1: back and enjoy five or six murders, or the right. memory of them. Not only the memory, but enjoy what was left of their bodies. Right, right. You know, it's gross, but it is what it is. You know, Bundy did the same thing. A lot of serial killers did the same thing where they'd come back... Even yeah. we talked about like uh, Randy of- Kraft would do the same thing, right? Some of those yeah. uh, back in the the freeway killers would do the same thing. They'd revisit the bodies. Right. Um, Speaking of Bundy, he had his hands in this investigation quite He a did. Bit. We will talk more about Bundy in a bit. Police uh, at this time are getting flooded with leads. They established a task force, and the task force uh, I believe was 25 people deep, and it had twelve to 15,000 suspects Quickly yeah. within within months, they had thousands of suspects. Right,
0: what they were trying to do is rate suspects as far as A, B, or C. Right, like if they were hu- if they were you know very typical, like met everything that they were looking for, mm-hmm. like they would be an A. You know, people with lower arrest rates or whatever mm-hmm. would be a B, and, and so on. But yeah, but once all that was done, yeah, <laughs> yeah, they come to like twelve to fifteen thousand suspects. That's crazy.
1: Yeah, and we talked about an it's FBI. We talked about an FBI profiler uh, being involved in the Hanson, Robert Hanson case that we did last week. Yeah. Now, there would be another FBI profiler in this instance um, that was brought in to try and give get a grasp. The police could kind kind of get a grasp yeah. for what they were looking for. He wasn't uh, quite as good as the Robert Hanson profiler. No, I mean, a lot he? of this <laughs> didn't turn out to be factual. So what yeah. the profiler said was the killer was probably an organized person since he took the time to properly weigh down the bodies before dumping them in the water. Now he wouldn't always do that, though. You know, That's he right. would. Get, you know, he was sloppy in a lot of cases. And just leave the bodies. Sometimes safe. he would just put them in brush and cover them up with like a little bit of here and there, a couple trees here. Yeah. And there. Uh, the profile de- also deduced that the killer must be confident since he re- uh, reused the same location over and over, and likely also to relive the murders, which was true. Yep. He thought the killer would be must be a longstanding local resident and possibly a fisherman or hunter since he seemed to be familiar with the remote areas where the bodies were being found. And that he also believed the killer had a strong interest in police or detective work. Hmm. It's it, it's the thing with these profiles. A lot of times, it's very blanket statements. It's stuff right. that's like it's kind of like duh. Like I'm sure the investigators are already kind of like yeah. They yeah. Pretty much thought that absolutely. Um, now the police would initially suspect pimps and taxi drivers that were really familiar with the strip. And start talking Uh-oh. to them. They'd start one talking in particular, to... taxi driver. The big one that we got to talk about. <laughs> Gosh, we got to talk about this guy. You can't talk about the Green River Killer without Melvin Foster's name coming up. He was a 63 year old taxi driver that um, was really familiar with the strip. Uh, he became the focus of the Green River Killer investigation. The task force started mm-hmm. focusing hard on this guy, and he brought it on himself. Also, no one... an ex convict, by the way. He was, and he reached out to the task force to point his finger at a guy that he thought was yeah, the killer. Right. And ultimately the task force goes, wait a minute. I don't know. We're thinking a little bit about the stuff you've said. I think you ought to kill her. Yeah. <laughs> because he had been mentioning how he knew five of the victims. Uh, and this is in September of 1982 that he had reached out. He <laughs> said such a creep, man. He said, I've never made it a secret that I've been acquainted with a few of them. Um, cab drivers meet the seedy side of life if you drive around town. Mm-hmm. Uh, police thought that Foster fit the FBI psychological profile of the killer and put him under 24-hour surveillance for months and searched Foster's house in
0: Lacey, Washington, this, twice. This guy thought he was the savior of prostitutes. Let's just be honest. He did. He, he talked he, about bringing them in, feeding them. He, yeah, he acted like he was taking in stray puppies, yeah. and he was taking in prostitutes. He was like, "Oh, you know, I'd give them a place to eat, I'd give them a place to stay, you know, I'd I'd feed them and you know, give them water." And I'm like <laughs> give them one, <laughs> what? leave a bowl out on the floor I would leave for them. A bowl. <laughs> I would tie them to a longer lead each night. Right. No. But I mean like, yeah, you know, what were you getting, you fucking creep? Right. Like this is just weird, man. The whole thing and then he would like speak in and parables. And we're not saying
1: this because there aren't people out there that would help out people who need help. But no. they, if you go watch interviews with the guy, you just get a feel yes. that the guy that's he, he was a creep. There's some he's in most documentaries on and YouTube. And he loved Check the attention out. that he was getting.
0: Yeah, he speaks in parables and shit. Like he thinks he's like the ultimate wise prostitute savior.
1: He interjected himself, and that's one of the things the FBI profiler said was that the killer would most likely interject himself into the investigation, and this guy did.
0: You almost get the sense like he wanted to be wrongly convicted. Yeah, he wanted to be convicted.
1: He did. Yeah, (laughs) you do do get the feel of that, and he was wanted the credit, and he was soaking up the media attention. He would do interviews constantly with local media outlets. Any time that the the local news would come to him he would do a long interview and he was even going as far as to like threaten Dave Reichert, the the lead investigator threaten people on the on the uh, um, the team the task force right and he be, and he becomes a big headache for them and they they really do think that it, that he's the killer and they're yeah. dedicating most of their task force to him for a for a period of
0: time they do a seven hour search of his apartment. <laughs> Yeah, him and his stupid... I'm just thinking, sorry, I'm just thinking about him and his stupid parables that he would say in these interviews. Right. I can just picture them like, are you the Green River Killer? I might be. I might well, not. Well, I'm not saying I'm not. If a tree falls in the woods, <laughs> what's Rome built in
1: a day? He's rolling a booger. He's, he's <laughs> rolling a booger. He's like Matthew McConaughey in those fucking <laughs> <Yeah>. Oldsmobile commercials. <laughs> <laughs> Putting on his watch. Right. <laughs> Jumping in his
0: pool with a suit on.
1: Right. Maybe. now i partially blame this creep this guy i mean the task force was off base they did dedicate a lot of their efforts to this guy wrongfully but i mean you can't blame him because the guy was like
0: leading them on a sense like like i said guys just check out his interviews you will you will see where we're getting all this vibes from because he just like he just wanted to be him it's like he was almost jealous right he wasn't the green river he might have killed a few of them he may have he killed him on his own. He was just mad that his number wasn't as high. <laughs> right. <laughs> Maybe I could take credit for this.
1: Now, he I think he was partially responsible for the task force being disbanded one of the times that they were disbanded because they, they dedicated so much time and effort to this guy mm-hmm. 24-hour surveillance for months at a time and, and searches of his house and all this stuff. And they would end up being disbanded shortly after they kind of gave up on him because they had done, I believe they, they had given him at least one, one polygraph test, which he had failed. Yeah. which polygraphs, you know. I, polygraphs I don't
0: can be altered. Yeah, I don't which ho- we talked don't, about that. I don't hold a before. lot of
1: water with polygraphs and later Gary Ridgway would end up passing a polygraph test mm-hmm. and he says it was basically just from relaxing.
0: I've heard that the giver of the polygraph test can alter it oh, 100%. to make it say what they want to say. So a lot of times you're getting the belief of the polygraph polygraph test giver. Right.
1: And and there's you know. supposed to be a certain amount of controlled questions and then the, you know right. it, it's a science. Not everybody that does it is an expert, for sure. Like, Mm -hmm. you can give a polygraph and have a little bit of training, but it's not going to be on the same par as a true expert of it. That's how I look at it. Okay. However, he did fail, which does point more suspicion in his direction. Mm -hmm. Anyways, they would waste a lot of time on this guy, and when they would eventually decide that he probably wasn't the killer, the task force would be shortly thereafter disbanded. Um, Meanwhile, prostitutes continued disappearing from the strip at an alarming rate. Um, However, the bodies were not really surfacing uh, during this time, a uh, few examples, in October of 1982, Denise Bush uh, would end up going to a store to retrieve some cigarettes and would never be seen again until her body was found in 1985. Well, it's clear what happened there. She ran off with the cigarettes.
0: Yeah. Yeah. She's like, cigarette run, Who's who needs some? And everybody pitched in money and she was like, peace, bitches. Peace, I'm out. I just made rent for the month.
1: Two months later, 18-year-old Rebecca Marrero disappeared from the Tac Strip. Now, while these bodies are disappearing, on February twenty third, nineteen eighty three, Gary Ridgway is spotted by police in his nineteen seventy five Dodge pickup bike, uh, and in in the truck with him is Kelly McGinnis. She would end up disappearing not long after that, and her body has actually never been found. Mm-hmm. However, they assume that she was later a victim of the Green River Killer. Right. It's just interesting to note that you know he's seen in this parking lot. I believe it's like near a baseball field. Right. Police officer stops him, talks to him, makes a report of it. And right. this is one of the things in their computer system that would it would stay on record, and it would help bring Gary Ridgway's name to the center later on when they're yeah.
0: like when their leads are exhausted. And that's pretty li- much what they're doing here. They're just stockpiling a shit ton yeah. of evidence. A lot of it they don't even have the technology to use right now. No, the problem is, I like feel like DNA he- evidence as far as like semen and blood mm. and things like that. Like they can't use any of that, but they're still taking it, which is kind of kind of good. Kinda yeah, cool. there, there's there's a, a thing that's going on during
1: this time where so like he's almost outworking the police in that they spend so much time just f- uncovering bodies and discovering bodies that mm-hmm. they can't even they don't have time to like investigate especially when they're after their task force has been disbanded and they're down to one or two
0: people you, you know they're like, overwhelmed with all the leads oh, yeah. things dave
1: record said there was a, there's periods during this time in 1982 and 1983 that he's literally just uncovering bodies he has no other time like it's like He'll get, you know, he'll get a call on his radio. It's like right. we found two more girls, you know, near the Green River or, or down in SeaTac, wherever. Yeah, they, we found more bodies. Right. And he's there uncovering these bodies, invest, and he's he's collecting evidence that would later end up saving the day and end up bringing down Gary almost twenty years later. Right. You know, with the first four four to five bodies we talked about in the beginning, he, you know, recovered the semen and the DNA evidence mm-hmm. that would end up. Um, being linked to, to Gary Ridgway later on, right? But I think for a long time Gary Ridgway was just he was producing so many bodies that the police couldn't keep up, and it was just it was more about them just trying true. to collect as much evidence, and and they're just trying to stockpile stuff for when he does stop, <laughs> they're like, and they're, then we can look at all this. They're overwhelmed. They're 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 getting leads. They're getting nonstop phone calls with yeah. leads and like this person, this person, and a lot of times people just want to interject themselves into something that's a big story. They're seeing it on the Very news, true. they're seeing it in the newspapers, and they want they go, "Oh, this one guy's weird. I'm going to call yeah. up and say he's the guy." Exactly. And they have and there to were there f- were
0: tons e- of women calling in on their husbands at yeah. this time. Yeah, like if this is the shit they're dealing with. Yeah. And then husbands, here, meanwhile, ex-husbands. we
1: got Gary Widgway, who's just you know he's a truck painter. He's yeah divorced from one woman. He's with another woman. He's you know he's he's got a son from
0: right how bad could he be
1: from an outsider's perspective he's just a dude seems like a pretty typical yeah he gets seen he you know he's gotten busted by in a sting operation by police you Mm -hmm. know trying to solicitate solicitate sex with a you know a a sex worker supposedly and then he's seen in a in a truck with a girl who later ends up becoming missing but they won't really start linking these things together for a while and by then it'll be way too late on uh, in April of 1983, Sandra K. Gabbert was last seen by her friends. She was uh, seen entering a pickup truck on the strip. That same night, about two hours later, after Gabbert's friends noticed uh, noted her climbing in a truck, Cammie K. Pastor, a 17 year old prostitute, was last seen entering a green pickup truck with a camper on it. Now, the pimp being concerned, um, just I guess he just had a weird feeling. He would end up following the truck for a little while because he saw like what he thought was arguing going on in the truck. Right. And the truck would end up running a red light and. He, and he wouldn't see Marie again. Well, he should have ran it. He needs to get his priorities in order. Right. He's a fucking um, pimp. Like, why well, is he worried about running a red light? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, one week later, he would notify the police that Marie had never returned. And fearing that the police would be of little help and not do anything about it because she was indeed a prostitute. Uh, he contacted Marie's father, and the two began looking for Marie on their own. He started. He must have really cared about this girl, man. He, he must have. Yeah. He he would end up taking Marie's father around, and they would look for the truck that because the truck had distinct markings on it, It had a bondo patch on right. the door, right? Um, and they would start just looking in the areas where it, the truck had been headed. Mm-hmm. And after some time searching, I guess they were about to give up, and they decided they to go found one down the damn yeah. truck. They decided to go down one more road, and it would end up being the road. Where Gary Ridgway lives, and they found a truck that looked just like the truck that they had seen Marie uh, in mm-hmm. that night, and they would uh, end up reporting this to the police. The police would actually follow up on it, and they would arrive at the home of a man named Gary Ridgway. Inside the home was Gary and his friend Dave Wells, and they would end up doing a a little conversation, having a conversation with him. Gary obviously. Basically said he doesn't know what they're talking about. He wasn't with any girl. He very denies, calm demeanor. Wasn't nervous. Very calm denies the whole yeah. thing. They did a cursory search of the uh, property and found no no trace of the woman. It wasn't mm. a, it wasn't like a you know they didn't have any search warrants. They weren't going to go beyond that because they didn't have any evidence other than the word of a pimp who said that the truck looked like yeah, these guys. Exactly. Um, they explained to Marie's father that nothing appeared to be out of the ordinary. Marie's father accepted this. Because you know he was already suspicious of the pimp story to begin with.
0: Huh. I'm sure his I daughter. So maybe was, the pimp was involved. Do you think? I mean, who knows?
1: Father probably. But I'm it, sure, he wasn't happy with the whole situation. Right. In general, being a father. Yeah. Marie's body would end up not being found until 2003. Wow. Yeah. Gary now at this time is one of many suspects. Nothing, as we mentioned, really sticks out about him. Uh, bodies are being found all over King County during 1983. On May 8th of 1983, the body of Carol Ann Christensen is found. Now, this one was a little weird. It was almost as if the killer was taunting the police. Her head was covered with a brown paper bag, and when the bag was removed, a fish sat arranged on her neck.
0: Um, they would end up taking DNA. Um, and Weren't her hands folded on a bottle of wine as well? I do believe, yeah. And this is where they realized that, okay, he's probably coming back. Mm-hmm. It's almost like he's setting her up for a bottle of wine. Like he's going to come and like drink that wine later and
1: be yeah, with creepy. the body. Yeah, yeah. Well, by the end of 1983, 14 bodies had been found and 23 more were missing or presumed dead. Uh, a new task force was formed, so they realized, okay, we probably should like start trying again to find the killer because you know the killer has not stopped. Right. So, so maybe we should uh, ump our auntie. Right. Prostitutes do matter, and when we're finding bodies all over our rivers, it's not a good look. Let's uh, let's get that task force going again, yep. and let's focus on somebody other than the same taxi driver the whole time, <laughs> and maybe uh, expand our efforts a little bit more. Right, um, there's different clusters now. They're getting further from the Green River. They're being they're finding clusters south of the Green River uh, in Star Lake. There were four bodies found um, in October of 1984. A letter came into the police station from a cell on death row in Florida, and the sender was none other than. Ted Bundy, Theodore Robert Bundy, was the sender. No. He was offering his advice. Never um, heard of him. He had nothing better to do. He's
0: sitting on death row, trying to buy himself time. Yeah, trying to still be useful and in the spotlight. I think right. he was also worried that uh, old Gary was going to break his records. What's What's funny is that
1: uh, the who would end up re- receiving this letter was Robert Keppel, which was a guy who actually helped take Bundy down and would eventually end up helping to take down... Uh, what Bundy was calling the River Man, which is the Green River Killer. Uh, to he make was. make his own nickname. Yeah, Robert Keppel was on the Green River Task Force at the time. Uh, Bundy suggested that the killer knew his victims, probably even befriending them before he lured them to their deaths.
0: Wrong, buddy. <laughs> he's wrong. Yep, did not befriend them at all. I um, can see him like thinking he's all wise and shit, sitting in oh the yeah, corner of a cell the on a stool, legs crossed, cigarette in hand under some low light. You can actually look up the audio and hear the he, uh, interview. befriended the killer. No, actually, he didn't. He killed them pretty quickly. Oh well. Uh, yeah, he really didn't even remember their names or their faces. He must have been really personal right away. <laughs> no, not really. He didn't even know their names. Or he okay. wasn't
1: wrong on everything, though. According to Robert Keppel's book, The Riverman, Bundy suggested that the killer likely disposed of even more bodies where they found the more recent bodies. Hmm. So, and he also suggested that maybe they stake out um, a cluster. That, that was they good find... advice. Oh,
0: absolutely, that was very good advice. They
1: quiet. He suggested that they quietly stake out uh, a spot where they found bodies. Right. And but not- they had to be fresher bodies. That was the only problem with this advice. But much like the FBI profiler at the same time they kind of knew these things like they had tried to do a stakeout early on with the That's initial what I'm saying. Yeah. They tried to do it with the first five bodies that they found. They tried to stake right. it out. Um, and they had some like unmarked cars that were near where the bodies were hoping that the killer would come back. However, local news like media outlet right. like had a helicopter and came over and like spotted yeah. the, the cars and completely blew that cover. So right. it's, it's easier said than done
0: to stake out these sites yeah, they, because the media is all over this shit. Yeah. They knew that Ted. Thanks. Yeah. Like, Seriously, like I, th- I think it was funny how in the, in the well, the book I read and wrote, like it wasn't addressed that Bundy's idea had already been done. I was thinking that when I when I heard that, I was like, didn't they already yeah. try that? Like why why all of a sudden because it comes from Ted Bundy, it's a good idea again? Right. Like, oh, let's let's try it again. One thing Bundy also suggested was that the disposal
1: pattern of the bodies may be leading closer to the killer's home. Well, like he's like he's uh, running low on gas. He's can't he's, drive as far. He's making a trail of bodies no. right to his front door. This guy works. The last body was actually discovered in his front yard. Oh, wow! <laughs> Just a little breadcrumbs, literally. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, now it's interesting, though. I mean, it is kind of. I guess they, in their book, like Keppel and uh, uh, Dave Riker, they really had nothing to lose from going down to Florida and discussing these things with Bundy because, if anything, mm-hmm. they can get more insight into Bundy Bundy's pattern of thinking and in, and the way uh, Riker described it. He's like any. Any police investigator would would give their right arm to have an interview with a guy like Bundy because they can't – he says – like, Riker, he's like, I don't know how a guy like that thinks. Like, normal people don't think like serial killers. Right. And so to be able to sit down and have an interview and, like, talk about what goes through the mind of a serial killer when Mm -hmm. they're doing their acts – yeah. It's it's invaluable information. And so, like, they they took him up on it. They went down to Florida. They had sit-downs
0: and they recorded conversations. You can yeah. actually look them up and listen That's to them. That's worth him. listening to. The way Bundy talks about it, he talks about it like it's like a normal trade, like bricklaying or something. Yeah it's just it's crazy yeah. the way he talks about it it's just a totally normal thing for him like a trade that well, he's funny mastered. is that he was he was pretty much in denial of the
1: fact that he was a necrophiliac himself and went back and visited his bodies yeah. even though he gave them the idea that he's that
0: gary Ridgway would do that right it's <laughs> it's like, where'd you river river get man. that idea buddy where'd yeah. you get that idea ted yeah. i mean for me i <laughs> wouldn't do that but but <laughs> someone that's like the river me might thing. have <laughs> this guy i know might <laughs> have done that this guy i'm <laughs> asking for a friend
1: right Um, Between October and December of 1984, two more bodies would be uh, found and identified as Mary Sue Bello, 25 years old, and Martina Autori, 18. They were discovered. Both bodies were found off Highway 410. The total body count had climbed to 31. Um, In 1984 alone, 14 bodies had been discovered. Wow. And so... I mean, you're, you're just dealing with a crisis here, and I'm sure they're grasping at anything they can, which is probably why they went and talked to Bundy because they're just like, we've got to yeah. get this
0: shit under control. Tensions are rising. Yep. People are feeling unsafe.
1: Now, we head into 1985 now, and in February of 1985, Gary would meet his, his, uh, his newest fling. Uh, Judith Mawson it would end up being more than a fling, though. She had been off of, uh, fresh off of a 19-year marriage when she met Gary at a singles event in Seattle in a Seattle
0: country western bar. I hear uh, Seattle really likes country western music, like in the Northwest. They really like it up there. They really appreciate it. Really? Yeah, because they don't get it get it as much, I guess, or didn't get it growing up, so they really appreciate good country western up there. Yeah, well, this that's one thing
1: that Gary and uh, Judith would, would have in common. They would meet at this bar and hit mm-hmm. it off, and they would begin dating. Um, on March tenth, nineteen 1985, the body of Carrie Royce is discovered. She was only 15 years old. Um, she disappeared during the summer of 1983. In 1986, the case involving the disappearance of Mary Malvar um, resurfaced. This was in March of 83 that she had gone up missing. This is the one where um, the pimp had tried to follow her and they ended up interviewing Gary Ridgway on it. Right. At the time, in 1986, the police still had no strong leads on this case. Uh, They acquired a new computer system that made the task of cataloging and tracking a massive quantity of evidence and suspects much easier, which is pretty (laughs) crazy. Now, one of the documentaries I watched – they had been storing, like early on in the investigation, like 82, 83, they'd been right. storing all this data. Absolutely. And then, in the documentary made it seem like they had it all on one computer, and that computer crashed, and they had to start from scratch, and, yeah. it, and then they had this Well, there was no,
0: the internet wasn't really available to them until it like was 94. Right.
1: When they were using, I mean, that's when they started putting the, this program online. But the so. idea that they'd been storing all of this important information on one computer, and then that computer crashed, I mean, they still had all the written- You know how many floppies that would take <laughs> to store that shit,
0: Lorne? <laughs> right.
1: It's <laughs> <laughs> so, a floppy tower. Yeah. And so they acquired a new computer system and I guess they had gone back through and taken all the paper documents that they had yeah. from all of the crime scenes. And they'd had a task force of, of people in, in an office just stowing away all of this stuff into the computers, reentering it. And then they, they used this new system of cataloging. And, and one name that kept coming forward in their, their new fancy computer system was Gary Ridgway. Now, a big problem for Gary was that he had been seen with two of the two of missing persons. Right. He was the last person seen with uh, Kelly McGinnis mm-hmm. in his pickup truck, and he was also right. the last person seen with Marie Malvar. At least his truck was the last thing seen right, driving away from the scene, and they had questioned him on it and everything. But um, they start, because the computer system spits this out, and they start really like going back through and going, okay, this guy just seems to be... Some investigators He seems to be the last person with some of these girls that come up missing. A lot of times, the prostitutes that are working the strip are saying that they're, these girls are getting picked
0: up in a green pickup with a yeah. fucking camper shell that looks a lot like Gary's truck. Yeah, I think Reichard was convinced at this time.
1: Oh, the no detective
0: doubt. I think he was convinced. He was like, this is our guy. I just got to fucking get something gotta on him. I got to prove it. Yeah. yeah.
1: So they get a search warrant of his house
0: in April 8th of 1987.
1: They search his home and vehicles. Um, they don't find anything. Uh, he he did keep some keepsake stuff from victims, uh, and we would later find out during interviews that he was even toying with coworkers. He would take yeah, or he would leave the jewelry in the bathrooms. He would leave jewelry like yeah. strewed about the uh, factory at Kenworth, like just randomly placed. Yeah, women's jewelry and stuff, which is just eerie to think. Right. He, he strangled these women and threw their bodies in the river, and he was taking their jewelry and like placing them at work because some of his coworkers. You know, there's a lot of talk. Uh, In the media about Green River Killer and this and that, and the and some of his coworkers knew that he'd been questioned in the past. You know what? And there was something off about him. They all said like, you know, he was a nice guy at work, but not the type of guy you would hang out with outside of work. Right. And some of his coworkers
0: actually called him Green River Gary. That's freaking hilarious. Right. But you know why I think he did this shit? I think what what he got out of it was. You know, like the old saying, misery loves company. Uh-huh. I think he felt like if he took these mementos or whatever and hit them around and then people wore them, he knew, hey, you're wearing that bracelet. You stole yeah. that. You're you're just as low as me. Maybe. You're scum of the earth. And it made him feel more comfortable in a place where he spends the majority of his time. Yeah, that's a decent theory. I think it's a damn good theory. Maybe He's we can write to him and ask. I don't uh-huh. care that much. Uh, Plus, I don't want him to be like... No, after, the searches,
1: after the searches of his house and vehicles came up empty... Um, they should have checked work and found some jewelry there, but in his house and his cars, he was smart enough to not have anything of the victims there. Um, and no evidence, uh, Ridgeway would end up taking a polygraph test and pass. And we mentioned earlier that he basically said that he passed just by relaxing. However, during this initial polygraph test, they didn't ask him about Marie Malvar. I don't know how.
0: But yeah, how do you not ask? Right. About that's a it's a big fucking thing. One of like, the main connections you have. It's like playing.
1: your truck was seen driving
0: away with a woman who is now missing. Yeah. But then again, wouldn't you have just lied about that, Lauren? I mean, this guy did not care. He was disconnected. But at least
1: he'd be strapped to a, a lie detector test and maybe it would be able to record, you know, you, don't think, they jump asked, or something. you don't
0: think they asked him a ton of shit like that.
1: Well, according to records, he he wasn't asked about Marie Malvar. He was asked about you well, know, I mean, stuff like that, soliciting prostitution and yeah. whether you know he was responsible for the bodies missing, blah blah blah. But however, he was able to do it. We, I mean, now we now have we've talked about two polygraphs. We've talked about mm-hmm. the uh, taxi driver was this Melvin Foster, Melvin Foster, and how he failed and he was not responsible for these killings. And right. now we're talking about Gary Ridgway, who we know is responsible for these killings, and he passes. So. Hmm. We know polygraphs; they're variable. They Maybe d-
0: Melvin Foster has hypnotized Gary Ridgway to carry out his evil plan. I find that highly unlikely. Holy shit! I think I just figured it out. He solved it. That's that's why Gary passed the test because he has nothing on his conscience because he's still hypnotized, Lauren,
1: from Melvin Foster. Yes, the voodoo taxi the driver. Fucking
0: taxi drivers behind all this.
1: He, at the dice that was hang, hanging behind his rearview mirror, he that's just right. like, spun it while he Gary was in the backseat. And then you're a killer
0: of women. You're a killer, you're a killer of, of women. women. Mostly prostitutes. And why did Melvin fail the thing and fucking Because Gary's he's house. guilty of it. He knows what's going on. That's why Melvin failed and Gary didn't. Okay. You feeling me on this theory? I don't know, man.
1: Okay. You, you got me way off track. All right. Whatever. Uh, they would end up taking bodily samples from Ridgeway. They would... They would Which they couldn't do like use a, at the time. They took a, what was like a cotton swab and made him put it in his mouth. And yep. Um, they would... They preserved that shit well. I mean, Thankfully, because that without that, they got nothing. Without that ridgeway, still, still walking yeah. around today, free. It's amazing how they kept that evidence for that long. Right. Well, they didn't have the DNA technology yet to be able to link that to any of the victims. Right. And so they would they would have insufficient evidence as well to arrest him for any of the murders. And so he's out walking the streets again. And more bodies of missing young women were discovered in the year that followed. Some of which included. That of a missing runaway, Debbie Gonzalez, who was 14, and Deborah Estes, who was 15, Uh, they had disappeared six years earlier. So like we talked about, they're uncovering bodies that have been dead for years now at this point. A lot of people tend to believe that Gary did the majority of his – I mean it's pretty much assumed that Gary did the majority of his killing from 1982, 1983, and by the end of 1984, he was mostly done. Right. They believe he killed there two might have more been a people. couple stragglers in there. They believe he killed two more people later right. on. We'll talk a little bit about that. But as far as his cluster killing and the majority of it, there's there's a lot of rumors that we'll get into later as well yeah. about him going down to San Diego, maybe killing up in Portland and this and that. Well, uh, when you get older, you know,
0: you lose a little right. bit of that drive.
1: Yeah, and like I said, so as it, although there were still bodies being discovered, there were no recent killings attributed to the Green River Killer in the Seattle region during the nineteen the late 1980s um now he talked about the girl that he the woman that he had met at the uh, country bar judith he would end up marrying her in 1988 this would become his third wife and judith her you gotta love her she's done a lot of interviews since she's very oblivious or maybe he just wasn't killing her this time and he just i heard cleaned he up was act i heard he was a saint to her yeah, yeah. i mean pretty time. much yeah i mean we have some quotes from her that we'll get into but these quotes were from later when she found out who he really was right right um <laughs> Now, in 1991, the task force would be reduced down yet again. It would be disbanded and reduced just to one investigator named Tom Jensen. Um, this is because uh, we talked about there's Dave Reichard. I believe he'd become sheriff by now. Yeah. He's moved on to bigger things. Right, and plus there's a lot of pressure from the community here to move on. Right, because, they're, they're, like we said, there's not yeah. – People disappearing at the rate that there were before. They're still finding not old, that, bo- they're finding
0: bodies of victims that have been missing from years past. But all the victims are at this point are mostly just prostitutes too, and they're they're seeing those patents. They're like, right. hey, look, they live this high high risk lifestyle. They're still here. Let's move on and focus on other, you know, other things that yeah. are going on in our community. Well, it had
1: been nine years, roughly forty nine victims and fifteen million dollars that this task force had been investigating and used all that money, and still had not caught the Green River Killer. So, to an extent, you can understand like. You're not. You haven't found the guy. It doesn't seem like he's killing anymore. Right. Um, let's move on. Uh, and ten years would pass. Ten years kind of just go by here from '91 until 2001, and the technology would finally provide the answer. In April 2001, almost 20 years after the first known Green River murder, Detective Reichert, who had become the sheriff of King County, became began renewed investigations into the murder. So he's still not letting this thing go. This was a big part of his. He career, can't. a he big can't. part of his career. Uh, w- this is like the big. Uh, this is something he'll he still talks about in interviews. You see him. I'll he's done sure. any any study of the Green River case. You'll you'll and see Bundy. Dave Reichert's face, yeah. and he's talking about investigating yeah, this stuff. Of course, he un- uncovered most of these bodies. He was there for all, almost all of the bodies being found. He he really wanted to. He said he really wanted to deliver. Answers to the families of these girls because he, he did look at as you know, these these women had families, these girls and women had families. Absolutely they did. And he wanted to deliver answers and he felt that he couldn't he didn't do so and he still was not letting it go twenty years later. He felt the technology had advanced enough to where it was time to reopen some things. Evidence was re examined and some of the forensic samples were sent to labs. The first samples to be sent to the lab were found with three victims that were murdered between 1982 and 1983. Those were the first ones that we started talking about: Opal Mills, Marsha Chapman, and Carol Christensen. Mm-hmm. The samples of uh, they consisted of semen uh, supposedly taken from the killer. The semen samples underwent a newly developed DNA testing method and were compared with samples taken from suspects that they had on file. Right. And here we go on September 10th, 2001. Wow, the day before that important day, man. Uh, yeah. That's crazy. I know that is so weird. The next day, to think the next day was September 11th. He's some kind of Gary Ridgway activist, man, right? Um, Sheriff Dave Reichert received the news. He got it he was delivered an envelope and inside the envelope was the killer's name. Basically the uh,
0: person came to him. The police police officer came to Reichert and said <laughs> Riker was just glowing at this moment in his right. career. Like in the documentary he's like you don't even have to open it.
1: Yeah. I already know. Yeah, so they basically the person came to him and said, Look, Melvin Foster,
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, gotcha. sir, um, uh, no, it's no, not.
1: so 20 yes. years down the drain, <laughs> right? So, this person comes to him and says, Look, we've got um, we took the three samples of uh semen from the three victims, we compared them, and we found a match to one person who was a suspect that you had. Mhm many years ago and we've got the person's name inside this envelope and, Re- and Reichert said you don't have to tell me I know who it is and he said Steve Harvey get in here and read it <laughs> <laughs> no <laughs> melvin foster
0: <laughs> wait, God wait, wait 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 no, he's a runner up sorry
1: uh, apparently the winner is Gary Ridgway. Oh, awkward. Yeah. Dave Reichert apparently knew it was Gary all along, but he didn't have the evidence to prove it. Yeah. And he, he knew that Gary Ridgway was walking for all these years, a free man. Mm-hmm. Um, on November 30th, 2001, Ridgway was arrested, leaving his workplace. Now you, you may think it's weird that September 10th was when they, when Dave found out that it was Gary Ridgeway, and then he didn't wasn't able to arrest him until November 30th. This is one thing he talked about in the book. He's like, mm-hmm. you know, people think that we can just run out and arrest him right away, but they have to get a lot of ducks in a row, right? get all the, get everything mm-hmm. squared away to where they can arrest him and there's no hiccups because then lawyers get involved right away and everything. Right. And so they had to get – but they did put him under surveillance immediately to make sure that he wasn't out killing during the time right. once they he found, found he out it was in the area. Right. Right. And so they did uh, surround him as he's leaving his workplace and arrest him. Um, I, I, it was kind of funny in the book they talked about the first things they they went up and said you're under arrest for you know the murder of four women or yeah. whatever and he, and he was like okay he was like yeah <laughs> yeah
0: okay that sounds like me right that's it, uh, it sounds like something I do yeah
1: <laughs> <laughs> and so on December fifth uh, two thousand one Ridgeway was formally charged with the deaths of four women. Uh, neighbors and family members were shocked. Um, there was uh, one neighbor that lived behind him and saw his face on the news. He's like, "I know that guy." Yeah. And he's like, "Wait a second! Oh, they that's the guy the that, respirator. That's the guy that lived behind us." <laughs> and, and family members stood behind him. And and Ridgeway, after t- uh, consulting with his uh, attorney, at the, at, after initially being charged with these murders, yeah. tried to basically plead his innocence and said that it wasn't him. He said, "You know, one thing his attorney and Gary were." After the consulting, they kind of tried to play the whole thing. Well, it's like, well, yeah, you found my semen inside of a prostitute. Yeah, that's where I put it. Right. <laughs> she, was a, she was a sex worker, and you found my semen in her. That doesn't necessarily mean I killed her. Right. Just because she was dead. <laughs> right. When you found it. <laughs> but, <laughs> but the more they started to think about it, and one thing that uh, convinced Gary to finally uh, just go ahead and come clean and plead guilty to these was his brother, uh, convinced him to plead guilty because his brother didn't want him to receive the death penalty. And yeah. uh, Gary would end up deciding wow. to do a plea deal with the police. And on November tw- uh, 5th, 2003, he would avoid the death penalty by confessing to the f- murder of 48 women. Mm. How about going the full way, though? He went from the four to. Yeah, but he's still holding out on us, don't you think? definitely holding out on it's the camera. No, he wants he wants to be known as the best he he heard him in interviews where he was out almost toting the fact that he was one of the so you he, think that he only, is the most prolific
0: you think the only reason he wasn't convicted of the 70 to 80 that people suspect is because he just couldn't remember yeah he just couldn't remember oh no, no doubt no doubt wow uh, on december
1: 18th uh he was sentenced to 48 life sentences without the possi- possibility of parole did you see the hearing where he confessed to the forty-eight where mm-hmm. they uh, the uh, judge sat up there and said, yeah. "You pl- how do you plead to this?" And he just railed off he each just railed one of them, and then he, he just one. guilty, 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 guilty. And then did you see the uh, also guilty?
0: Did you see where the court gave the microphone to the, the to family the members? That's where victims. I realized how many families were really affected. <sighs> insane, when you man. look at that courtroom, yeah, in that documentary, it's just like people just it's just full. People just coming up one after another. Yeah, and, one and angry family member after
1: a next. telling them how they feel, telling them that he should burn in hell, and yeah. that he, you know he, you're the worst person, you're your seed of evil, and and yeah. except they're the one bearded old like Amish yeah. looking
0: guy that with the rainbow suspenders.
1: Yeah, yeah, and that he told was me. Forgave him. Interesting moment for sure during the court. He, he was the one family member that came up and grabbed the microphone and said. Uh, I'm not here it's to judge you. It, you've, yeah. you've made it hard for me to, to believe in my faith, but I, I have to do this and say that I forgive you. And Gary yeah. actually cracked. He sat there stone-faced after, after family member after family member came right. up and threw, threw verbal just fire at him.
2: Yeah.
1: And then the, But then the one guy that came up and said that he forgave him, he cracked and like actually almost shed a tear for a second there. What do you think
0: about that? I that. think that's honorable. I don't I think, think it think is honorable. Is just being naive
1: I think it's honorable I don't think I could do it but I think I it's think honorable it it. if he killed my my daughter there's I don't think I could be that big as to do something like that but at the right. same time like what is going up there and having anger towards him accomplish it doesn't bring your daughter back yeah you think it just hurts you more if you don't forgive I know it's so cliche yeah, but I do I do I mean if it's what's done is done and it, if you can lift the weight from your shoulders and forgive I think it does go a long ways
0: to have helping you move forward yeah, I think that's one of the things that the Bible does get right. I think it's yeah. like uh, it says, forgive seventy times seven times. It's mm-hmm. a lot of damn times. Four hundred and ninety times. It's a lot of damn times. Four hundred and ninety
1: uh, times. We got some uh, some interesting facts um, just from his his spree of killing. He'd been leaving. We talked about how he'd been leaving the victims' jewelry around the the factory, and how his coworkers been calling him Green River Gary. He'd also been selling victims'
0: jewelry at yard sales talked about him being frugal so there him and his third wife did that right yeah they started out like renting booths at flea markets Mm -hmm. and they were like they realized like wait a minute we can just set up in our yard and make way more money yeah and not pay rent i was doing some studying and my my wife having to be like
1: sit next to me as i was watching this and she heard this part about like him selling victims jewelry and stuff at yard sales and she's like what did the current wife where did she think that he got this stuff and i'm like well he did have two previous wives so he she could could have have easily just thought that it was his His (laughs) ex-wife's stuff yeah um, some quotes from his third wife Judith, and we talked about how oblivious she was to the whole thing, and really thought he was just a saint. She said, "He he made me smile every day. I had the perfect husband, the perfect life, and and at this moment she placed her hands over her face. He was the perfect killer." Wow. Another quote. It's kind of it, poetic.
0: It is. Yeah, if you can appreciate that. That's
1: a lot of perfects though for this guy who was really Yeah, she needs a thesaurus, don't get me wrong. Had she met but him? But it's pretty cool. Because after she, after hearing him talk in so many <laughs> interviews, it's just like there's not a lot of not a lot of like there's just not a lot to this guy. Well, not a, lot, a lot, lot, not <sighs> lot. No,
0: I mean maybe she was just Well, you don't know how it was for her. No. You know,
1: for me For me, it's, for just, me he, it's just you know, I knew where he would be. He came home. Uh, right. I yeah. made him sandwiches, he ate them. We went garage we, sailing. We, was he would fantastic. squint at the
0: TV for a few hours. Yeah. Pretend like he's reading. Yeah, we had sex four times a day.
1: <laughs> Minimum. It was scheduled <laughs> right after his sandwich. He had alarms on his beeper. Yeah. Uh, another quote. I found out he had the carpets removed because he'd killed women on them and there were
0: blood stains. Uh, also, she so said... So, what did he tell her? You know, that's what something I never found. Like, what was his excuse? Puttin surprise, new- honey, new carpet. Yeah, putting a new carpet. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you're such a sweetheart, Gary. Yeah. You know I love Shag Rugs. <laughs>
1: oh God, Shag. Uh, she also said he got rid of the bed because he'd had sex with some of his victims there, then killed them. Again, why'd you just randomly get rid of our bed, Gary? Right? Like that's just it's <laughs> time for a new Red one. Red flags. This lady was in denial. Maybe he wanted a new Casper mattress. Oh, maybe. Maybe. Free advertisement. <laughs> that's our good faith. For that's you, our Casper. good faith. <laughs> Uh, in interviews with police after his arrest, he described how he lured and killed his victims. Now we got a lot of insight at, during these interviews as to how he pulled it off. We've already talked about a lot of it. How he would, you know, pull over and act like his car was his truck was broken down and yeah. all that stuff. Um, we got some quotes from him, straight from the killer's mouth. I killed some of them outside. I remember leaving each woman's body in a place where she was found. I killed most of them in my, ho- in my house near Military Road, and I killed a lot of them in my truck not far from where I picked them up. Um, we we learned later that most of the victims were killed mm-hmm. at his house. I didn't know this until, like, far into my
0: research. Right.
1: I, I assumed he was killing them in his truck. Well, because they reason. don't have... Because they, he was they, so impulsive. He right. really was. Well, they
0: didn't find none of this shit out until he told them. Though, right. So that's why it falls so late in the story, And I he think.
1: did kill some in his truck, and he did yeah. kill some in the woods. Right. But most of them he would take back to his house, like Marie Malvar, for instance. Yeah. He, you know, the pimp saw him driving away, that he was yeah. driving to his house. And once in his house, on his bed, they would have sex. And then after the sex was complete,
0: he would mm-hmm. choke them from behind. Now, did you hear the story about his coworker that he would occasionally drive home? No. Yeah. So, like, they would, they would go drinking together or whatever. And I think she eventually joined the, uh, what is it, uh, Parents Without Partners mm-hmm. thing, club that he was in. And he, it started to become more of a regular thing. Like, they'd have a few drinks there or whatever, and then he would drive her home. Yeah. Well, one night, he's like, do you mind if we stop by my house first? Oh boy! Yeah, it takes her back to his house, right? So she don't think nothing of it. She's already, you know, she knows him for a few weeks now, and mm-hmm. he's been giving her rides home and whatnot. So she's sitting there, she's drinking a beer, and he brings up the Green River Killer. Oh! And he's like, well, "How do you, how do you, what do you think about this guy? Like, what do you think he's doing? You think he's doing good for the community?" And she said, "She just had, like these red flags just started going up like mm-hmm. all over," and she was, she just thought the best in my best interest would be just to agree with everything he's saying right now. Right. This was, her, this was in the book, the Anne Rule book. And yeah, so she just agrees with good everything. Call. She's Play like, Play to the, yeah, the ego. Play to the ego. He's cleaning the streets. And then he goes on to be like, you were never a prostitute, were you? And she's like, no, no. God, he's no, like, they're disgusting. He's like, <laughs> she's like, just, and just he's go like, beyond. would you ever be? And she's like, no, never, never. And he just looked down and he goes, good answer. Good, good answer. answer let's go. I I'll I'll take take don't home. have to kill you. I'll take you home. That, that's creepy, man. It is, man. And she and she later found out that you know he killed many of women like that. Yeah, that same scenario. Uh, well, to play
1: to play what you were just talking about, we have another
0: quote from him. It said, "I picked
1: prostitutes as my victims because I hate most prostitutes, and I did not want to pay for the pay for the sex. I also picked prostitutes as victims because they were easy to pick up without being noticed." I knew they would be reported, not not be reported. not be reported missing right away, or might not ever be reported missing. I picked prostitutes because I thought that I could kill as many of them as I wanted without getting caught. Yeah, he was just just blatant with a lot of answers, except for why. Blatant. It, it, once he beat around the bush for ten minutes. His interviews are frustrating to watch and listen to because, as we mentioned, he's not the brightest dude, and it's I think as he got older, he lost he he lost even more of his. I,
0: I got the sense. ability to
1: speak in a sense. Like maybe I, he was doing more killing than talking because he just uh, Right. He found or He was, was always a quiet guy.
0: Yeah. But I think he he I got the sense from him that he did not understand why we did not understand him. Mm-hmm. As when I say we as in quote unquote normal people, whatever you want to say. Like y'all don't people call kill people who serial girls you know, don't kill. Yeah, like why do you not understand what I'm doing here? Like I'm doing a justice and I killed them because I want my money. And it's, I don't want to pay for it. It's that simple. Sex. Yeah. It's like, what do you not understand here? Right. And I think a lot of the cops are like, we just didn't get a reason. I'm like, I think you did get a reason. You pretty much I did. think you're just, you just don't accept it because you're a rationally thinking normal human being. What he's saying in this quote here
1: with, uh, I, you know, I didn't think they would be reported missing and I thought I could get away with it. Right. Is like, if he could go into a store and take merchandise without getting caught, mm-hmm. he would do it. But there's repercussions to that. He's going to go into the store. He's going to steal the merchandise. They're going to have... You know they're going to report it to the police. Give his right. description. He's going to be caught. He can't. He's a cheap ass. He wants. Yeah. You know, I think probably you would think some of him. He had to get off on killing these women, but at the same time, it was really as simple as he thought he could get away with it and get his money back and get yep. se- sexual satisfaction. Yeah. And that was it. Yep. And he just was not a. He was not a deep
0: thinking guy. That's what I'm saying. Like that was the answer. Yeah. He was they're not a deep thinking guy. You people can, aren't you willing to You can hear it when he it. talks.
1: You can he just. He's not. No, he's, he's on the surface, He man. was impulsive. These yeah. girls didn't mean anything to him. They were just, oh. just what got him satisfied yeah. in that moment, and then that was it. He was done with them. Yeah. And when he was done with them, he killed them. Uh, and he would kill them, like we mentioned. He would have sex on his bed. Right. And uh, as he completed sex, he would strangle them from behind, and he, he would uh, immediately, before he would even leave the house, he would have the sheets thrown into the washer, yep. and he would wrap them in some sort of carpet or plastic, and take their bodies to the river. And it's amazing that he got away with this for as long as he did, uh, killing at least 49 women for sure, because he would mm-hmm. later be, uh, in the 2000s, he would be convicted again of another victim. And it, his official number stands at 49, but it is believed that he killed somewhere in the 70s. Yeah. And he admits that he killed in the 70s. In yeah, Riker
0: himself. He's been quoted saying that multiple times. Like he believes it's closer to seventy to eighty. Yeah, victims. and it's amazing that he was able so
1: often to kill him at his house and then drive with the body in his car. When when the police knew there was a serial killer on the loose, right. and a lot of times these women were being picked up in a pickup truck, and he's just willy nilly driving with these bodies in his vehicle and taking them to the river where you think they would have some. Keep you think they'd be patrolling the river bit. You know, um, I, I get it. It's a yeah. long winding river. It goes right. a long way. But I'm sure he There's wasn't a lot
0: going way out of his way to dump these bodies, right? It wasn't
1: you, like John Wayne Gacy. You man. just think that he would have been caught with one of the bodies at some point, but he didn't. And a lot of times, you know, pretty much every serial killer has strings of luck involved in their in their
0: killing sprees, right? And he also lived in a neighborhood, dude. Right? You can't really dismiss that. Like he lived in a neighborhood. Um, I'm actually looking at a picture of his house right now, and. He didn't have a whole lot of like huge trees like blocking where he lived or nothing mm-hmm. like that. It's just yeah. So he's uh, taking yeah. That's a good point. His neighbors he's, are seeing he's taking him these bodies up. out yeah. of either
1: carpet or in plastic right. to his pickup
0: truck, and is he just throwing it in the bed of his truck? He has to be. You're not gonna put it in the cab, are you? Well, he did have a camper shell. They said you just have a rug set up like a human. <laughs> and then they, the thing just banging against the window. He did have a camper shell though. They said so maybe that helped. Yeah, but they're still seeing him carry it out, right? You know? I mean, having a camper show or not, you're not going to be able to see what's in the truck bed unless you walk up mm-hmm. and look in it. So, I don't know. I just, I'm just amazed. I guess people just had so much faith in him. He was such a good neighbor.
1: Yeah. So. Well, well, we talked uh, earlier about the spree um, being believed to have ended in 1984 as far as like his brashes of killing women. Um, the two that were uh, on record that he killed after 1984 were in uh, 1990, April 13th, 1990, uh, Marta Reeves, uh, she was discovered on September 20th, 1990, and he was later convicted of her killing. And then also um, on 1998, so an eight-year span between that, uh, Patricia Yellowrobe, Yellow Robe Yellowrobe, um, was killed as well, and she was discovered August 6, 1998. So he didn't stop killing after 1984. He did get convicted of those two. Uh-huh. Um, and there's a lot of speculation that he never stopped. Okay, and it would—it's hard to believe that he could go on that kind of a spree and then, and just, then just stop. Just stop. There's, that's what I was just about from to 1984 say. to 1990, and then stop from 1990 to 1998. It's—I it, don't believe it. No,
0: I feel like they kind of were like, "Okay, we got enough. We got him. We got enough." Right. You know what I mean? It's like we fifty, almost fifty murders. I think that's enough. Many believe that he went down to
1: San Diego between 1985 and 1991. More than 40 women, many prostitutes, were found dead. Some of the cases remained unsolved down in San, in San
0: Diego. Were the bodies found in clusters out there as well? Or do you... I'm not sure. Okay. See, that would be... But San Diego in the... When, what year span did you say again? 85 to 91. Uh, who was operating then, Ramirez? He was still operating, wasn't he? In 85. Richard Ramirez, yeah. mainly
1: in, in Los Angeles, So San Diego's quite a bit south of there. Oh, yeah, that's true. That'd be a long way, though, from Washington State all the way down to San Diego. San Diego's down damn near Mexico Well, this Maxi- man wasn't afraid Mexico to put some border. miles on a
0: truck, bro. He was that's not true. afraid
1: of that. That's true. And if he was trying to stay clear of the of the law, you know, there's task force all over his area. Yeah. I just I, I, That's a long way to go, man. He could have gone. Where? Portland, we talked about, could have gone to Portland. That's that's another Mm -hmm. spot that people speculate he may have been killing as well. On old Portlandia. Yeah. Yeah, and he would get his final murder conviction on December twenty first, 2010, when the body of Rebecca Marrero, uh, the remains of her body were found in Auburn Ravine. I think they
0: found her skull initially. Yeah. And mainly found the rest of it.
1: The site was roughly three miles from Mountain View Cemetery, where Ridgway disposed of a number of his victims And he would plead guilty to this, uh, making his 49th murder conviction, which stands as the most on record, making him the most prolific American serial killer to this day. Mm -hmm. Um, Before his confession, authorities had attributed 49 murders to the killer, and he had confessed to at least 71. And he is currently imprisoned at Washington State Penitentiary in Walla Walla, Washington. He's 68 years old, still living.
0: Looks like a gym.
1: Yeah, no, he looks like an old ball sack. Oh, well, who's <clears> that? And he can barely hold a sentence. Apparently, you don't have to be all that smart or a wordsmith to strangle women.
0: Well, why would you need to be a wordsmith to strangle women?
1: I don't know. I'm just. I like just Ted
0: Bundy. For sure you don't because he's not, and oh. he did. Okay. So. so it's not bad if you are. You just don't have to be. Right. So you can still achieve your dreams out there.
1: Yeah. Well, that's Gary Ridgway. You got any last thoughts or words on him? I mean, I, I think we crammed a shitload of information into an hour and a half. I hope you guys were able to follow it. I hope we portrayed it in a manner I, that I feel like Ridgeway, makes sense and was entertaining at the same time. And we got most of the facts correct, at least. We're not saying all, all of them. No. I'm sure we got mixed up because we've got pages and pages in front of us of just information. And some, some of think, it's going to get jumbled up. Lauren, you did a hell of a job on this outline. I did all this shit I, together. I sure put a lot of time into it, that's for sure. This is the most effort i put into an episode in a while. Well, we, we
0: jam-packed a lot of shit into, what are we at? We're an hour bored, and a half. An hour and a half. Yeah. Most people, most podcasts did at least two or three-parters. Not saying that they shouldn't have. Right. They're fucking amazing. But, hey, it was, uh, it was a lot of work. Yeah. It was a lot of fun, though. Ridgway. But I, I think Ridgway was like a uh, like one of those oblivious cartoon characters just walking through life and getting away with things. Things yeah. just kept going like Mr. McGoo? Yeah, like Mr. McGoo. Like nothing <laughs> bad could happen to him. Right. Just just strolling through life, yeah. taking out bodies, throwing him in his truck. Yeah. Hey, Dave. How you doing, Gary? Yeah. Taking out the trash again, huh? Yeah. It's oddly body-shaped. These
1: ones, man, I, I, sometimes it gets wearing doing serial killer cases like this, especially where there's this many, because yeah. it, the the victims get lost in it. We like to bring – in the past, we've done a good job, I think, of of like – Making it known that the victims are at the forefront here, well, and not like glorifying the killer. But in the with a serial killer like Gary Ridgway, where he, you know potentially had in the 70s of victims mm-hmm. and at least had 49 on record, it's hard to like, I don't know what I'm trying to say here. It, it's try it's hard to give like our solace to the victims of that many women, where it's they're just they become names and, and statistics. Whereas like when we right. did a case like. Uh, Annie Lee where we focus on the victims. or Kitty entire, Genovese or Kitty Genovese yeah like well, like each of these pro, each of these women I yeah. was about to say each of these prostitutes they were women they had lives they had families they had lives ahead of them they weren't going to be most likely they were not going to be prostitutes for the rest of their life it was probably just a small rut that they fell in yeah. maybe they got in with the wrong people or they were doing maybe. it for you know financial reasons just to get over a hump and then yeah. get on track or they were looking for another job who knows but they were people they had families and it's Uh, what gary Ridgway did was completely just disgusting you know it just went around taking their lives as if they were trash and throwing them into rivers you know so i mean if we if we portrayed it in a light that we were like in any way ridgewaying this and that they like they weren't they didn't get their their just deserve as as human beings and real victims of crimes then that's not what we were going for
0: but damn that's a good monologue Lauren. that's really good that's really good post log that's good i liked it yeah i liked it it's very sincere i wish trying to be i'd have thought of that <laughs> it's exactly how i feel though
1: no i it mean because we, we make jokes that's, that's the whole why thing, but...
0: that's why i like the single cases so much because you can you can give everybody their just right. due and their you know their acknowledgement mm-hmm. in a case where it's just one case right um but these serial killer ones are, are fun too yeah. There's a lot of shit out there. There's a lot of different avenues you can take. Mm-hmm. A lot of theories that people have come up with, like mine, that Melvin Foster is the actual killer. But hey, take but it or yeah. leave it. Like in a
1: Ridgeway case, there was there were so many victims we didn't even name them all. Like there was yeah. there was women that were killed by him, and we didn't even bring their name up in this episode. And we don't have time to go through all of them. We don't have time to go through the details of all Gosh, the killings.
0: The Ann Rule Book, Green River Running Red. If you want to know every single victim, yeah, and as much information that is possibly accessible. Yeah, out there she got it. She got it. Oh, she's badass for sure. And it's 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 written. It took me a second to realize that she writes it like a little bit focused on the victims and the investigation, and then she'll like backtrack all the way to when Gary was a kid, and then she but she won't like introduce Gary. So she's just kind of like talking about his childhood, Mm -hmm. and then like oh this John was this and that was that as it goes up and and through his marriage and things like that, and then and then all of a sudden it'll go back to the investigation. Right. It'll jump to the future. So once you realize that, it's it's a little easier to digest, but it is a shit ton of information.
1: Oh, no doubt. I mean oh, man. I didn't read that one, but I did I do remember Small Sacrifices Ooh. when we did the uh episode oh, on yeah. on that case. Yeah. And that was definitely an extensive book
0: and I loved her writing style and Yeah. Yeah. I mean she's very thorough. If you guys are into that or if you're doing a research if you're doing like a paper or a mm-hmm. report on this on the Green River River Killer, gotta have must have read must read book. Absolutely.
1: Right. Yeah. Well, that's the Green River Killer.
0: Are we done with the business? We're done Can we with talk all some shit now? bullshit now. Can we let's, talk with Let's
1: some? do some shout outs for our faithful patrons.
0: Up to 110 patrons.
1: That's amazing. So, all the new patrons since the last. I never thought we'd be here. <laughs> I'd, like I'd like to thank my to... mother.
0: I'd like to thank my mom
1: for not washing my genitals exces- excessively
0: <laughs> 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 and turning me into a creep.
1: <laughs> I don't know if she'd turn you into a creep, but go ahead. <clears throat> I am a creep. But it didn't have anything to do with my genitals being washed too much. Yeah, you I think she only washed them the right amount when I was a kid. Yeah,
0: you think so? There's yeah. a good amount that your genitals need to be washed.
1: Okay, good. Kay. So go ahead and uh, give some shout-outs to the new patrons. Everybody that joined board, jumped aboard since <laughs> joined board. We've a few drinks, guys. First, we drank a couple of warm PBRs. Everybody that's come aboard, a uh, got happy, happy Fourth of July to all of the American listeners. All the American patrons, yeah. and if you celebrate it and you live in another country for some reason, the independence of our country—I don't know why you would—but if you're an American, if you just you move like fireworks, the country,
0: Lauren. Some people move from here. Okay,
1: if you live in another country and you used to be American or you love America and you just like fireworks, happy Fourth of July. We're Boop. drinking PBR still. It's warm because it was on my patio from Fourth of July, and Boop. then we had a shot of Jameson as well. So that's why we're a little bit. Uh, I think up. I'm fine. I don't know about you. Okay,
0: but I think everybody enjoys fireworks. Yeah, if you love to fucking talk every once in a while. Right. Jesus Christ.
1: Jesus Christ.
0: Jesus Christ. Like for me, I never got to talk on here.
1: All right. We can talk. <laughs> Do some patron okay. shout outs. Everybody that jo- joined board. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you said join board again. Fuck my life. All right. Here we go. Joshua B. J Train. J Train. J Train, you're getting a special shout out. Dude. Trucker He's... from
1: Arizona. Fucking bull riding extraordinaire. Badass, hilarious guy. He's constantly Instagramming about us and like sending us. Fucking dude, the trucker community is strong. Feedback.
0: Yeah, and he's on the CB had, radio,
1: fucking talking us up. That's right, breaker breaker, true crime
0: guys on episode twenty-nine. <laughs> that's right, Karen Kane, listen to true crime guys. <laughs> Roger Lap.
1: Yeah, no, he says he listens to our show to like calm him down before he rides bulls. So that is badass. Oh, that's
0: that's and that's pretty he's cool. our
1: he's actually uh, gives us more money per month than any other patron. So big big shout out to J Train, twenty yeah. bucks a month he's donating to
0: our show. Damn, usually we don't give that stuff away. Pretty awesome, but he's been pretty amazing. Yeah, we owe you, J-Train. <clears throat> All right, so here's a few other new ones. Uh, Melissa S., um, a very special lady. Uh, Jerry W., donated here in town. Oh,
1: really? Local yes. Vegas person. That's right, Sweet. yeah.
0: I have a special connection with her. She's oh. my mother-in-law. <laughs> oh. Okay, you're trying to play a coy over there. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Jerry. Thank you so much for listening. Um, let's see, who else we got? We got Patty S., Stephanie R., uh, Tracy B., Andrew B., Hope P., uh, Maria P., Eric J., or possibly Eric Storm. don't know. I don't think Storm's your last name, so I'm going to go with Eric J. Uh, Amber L., and Sarah M. Let's see. That's, that's all of the $10 and $5 donors. Uh, we got quite a few new $2 ones. Uh, you want to shout out some of these? Yeah. Give, give it to me. me right here. Give it to me.
1: All right. We got Michelle K., Shannon, Shannon M., Corey M., Jordan B., Elizabeth B, Justin K, Michael Van Michael Vanden B. I'm just kidding. <laughs> that kind of blows your cover a little bit. Uh, Kelly W, Tammy J. Oh, you know what? We've already shouted out Kelly W. Have we? Our date must have changed. That's okay. You got like three You get now. two. Uh, Lee D. Lee D. Suli Y. Leanne A. Brooke A. Amber
0: K. Holly M. You're doing a great job, by the way. Kim S. Yeah. I'm loving this. Uh, Are we at Charlie McDennis yet? Craven C.
1: <laughs> Chardy McDennis. Yes. Dude. Sonny in <laughs> Philadelphia. Did we not have Frank Reynolds, too? We do. He's down here. Uh, yeah. Did we already shout Frank Reynolds out? Um, Is that a real person? I don't know. We may have. Dude. Someone find, signed up as Frank Reynolds, and he actually put the picture. Well, of, if not, uh, Frank Reynolds. Of oh, Danny DeVito. That's <laughs> <laughs> I think someone's trolling us, dude. But I love it. I don't care. Okay. Uh, Tara M. Connor M, Belky G, Abby H, Natalie O, and Adam S. Nice. Thank you all. I'm sorry if that got like just.
0: Well, it was clunky as hell after I mean. a while. Well, That's... no, it's not redundant. Everyone deserves a shout, man. Everyone deserves recognition for making this podcast possible. You know.
1: Yeah, and, but I think we should start reading their whole names because it's not like somebody's going to hear this patron episode and then like steal your identity because they read your last
0: name. Okay, y'all rein in, in on that shit.
1: Yeah, I mean, if you guys are cool with it, and if you become a new patron and you want to shoot us a message and say, hey, you can read my whole name, that's cool. I guess there's probably some people that wouldn't
0: be a big fan of you saying their whole name. Maybe not. You can edit it, though, on on Patreon. You can put what we see and what we don't see.
1: Yeah. When you sign up for Patreon, put the name you want read, because that's what we're going to do. Yeah. If you want Charlie McDennis, put that on there. Charlie McDennis. We used to do, uh, in middle school, we used to mess there was a library giveaway things they would have like yeah. drawings and we would go in there and submit stupid names like one of them was Harry Balzonia. yeah <laughs>
0: and Gosh. they actually read it like over the intercom and it was like the greatest day of my life <laughs>
1: Harry Balzagna I
0: had, a, I had a buddy I worked with back home he used to do that in restaurants like fast food places mm-hmm. they'd ask for a name and he'd give like a famous musician he'd be like yeah I thought Mick Jagger Yeah. And then they'd be like, Mick Jagger, number 49. (laughs) Everybody's looking around. Yeah. (laughs) Everybody's like, what? (laughs) (laughs) You're like, yeah, it's up. He actually was on the waiting list. Steven Tyler. Yeah. Steven Tyler. Yeah. Yeah. So that was fun.
1: Frank Reynolds, yes. Table for three. Table for (laughs) (laughs) three. Thank you guys for tuning in. We've obviously ran out of steam, so we will see you guys next week for a normal episode. Um, Keep creeping. Keep creeping.
0: what's up creepers if you enjoyed that little peek into the patreon world like i said earlier before the episode there is more where that came from patreon.com true crime guys and we are putting up new premium episodes every month two bucks a month will get you access to those episodes plus um, higher thoughts which is an episode that i do on a weekly basis i release it somewhere around saturday and sunday um usually 20 to 30 minutes i just come on there i answer listener questions or just talk about whatever comes to mind. Um, it's a good time. But you guys can find us on social media. Um, True Crime Guys on Twitter. True Crime Guys at True Crime Guys on Instagram. Uh, True Crime Guys on Facebook. You can message us on there if you have any comments about the show, questions, whatever. Um, and like we said, TrueCrimeGuys.com. Everything is on there. If you want to buy some stickers, donate for some stickers, you can do that. True TrueCrimeGuys.com. TrueCrimeGuys.com. True Crime Guys.com. Click the sticker link and uh, we'll get some out to you. You know, make sure that we have your address if it doesn't come through with PayPal and all that shit. And uh, real quick, we got to uh, give a little shout out to our our girl Wendy at Oh My Gaia. If you don't know what Oh My Gaia is, Oh My Gaia is an innovative and all natural deodorant, fragrance, and beard oil company specializing in paraben and aluminum free products. Their innovative line of deodorants inhibit the growth of odor-causing bacteria while maintaining effectiveness. At Oh My Gaya, they use only all-natural paraben and aluminum-free organic ingredients. Guys, there's tons of scents to choose from. Vanilla, cherry almond, sandalwood, lavender, lemongrass, Egyptian musk, coconut, dreamsicle, leather, lumberjack, honeysuckle, fireside. There is something for you, I promise. Stop putting aluminum in your armpits and you can smell better and feel better about it as well. And, almost forgot, most importantly, we have our own scent. True Crime Pine. True Crime Pine It has our old school logo on it with the hedge with the mug shots. Um, and if you use the code creeper, C-R-E-E-P-E-R, you can get 15% off at shop underscore oh my Gaia on Instagram or O H M Y G A I A O-H-M-Y-G-A-I-A.com. Try it, guys. You won't regret it. Also, want to give my uh, wife's store a shout mojave high creations on instagram mojave high creations if you can't find it for whatever reason hit us up on true crime guys on instagram i'll send you a link personally she makes custom handmade clothing um, that is crocheted uh, women's tops uh beanies bottoms scarves gloves if you want something custom something that's made where someone actually cared about how the product came out and actually took some some time and is made it out of you know biodegradable products as well this is like you know anybody can get brands nowadays everybody's putting out brands and the brands are just getting cheaper and cheaper and cheaper and tanking eventually i feel that we're going to get back to buying things from each other there's going to be people creating things people trading goods and people making a way that way in their life and taking their lives back through businesses like this but if you will give her a give her a follow on Instagram at Mojave High Creations, or you can check out her Etsy page at uh, etsy.com/slash Mojave High Creations on there, guys. And if you use you can use code Creeper on there as well uh, for fifteen percent off if you guys uh, make a purchase on there. And uh, if you have any kind of comments or you know maybe you want you see something that you like but you'd like it in a different color, hey, hit her up. All right, she's sweet, I promise. All right, guys that's it as always thank you for listening If this is your first episode of true crime guys this is not a typical episode usually it's uh myself and lauren the entire time and um you know we release on a weekly basis we take one week a month and we release a patreon episode and then another week a month we will be releasing one of these old patreon episodes and you get two new free episodes a month if you're new all right so that's how we do it welcome to the family Keep creeping, guys, and we'll see y'all next time. True Crime Guys, in the desert, we like a mirage. It's okay if you clicked on us, cause you thought we was True Crime Garage. Now we ain't mad at you, sit down, let us talk at you. I'm talking to the Creeper Army, we out here making murder. Get murder, get murder. True, crime, true Crime Guys, in the desert, we like a mirage. It's okay if you clicked on us, cause you thought we was True Crime Garage. We ain't mad at you, sit down, let us talk at you. I'm talking to the creeper army, we out here making murder charming.